Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. What's up, Gypsy Gang? We're back for another episode of the Gypsy Tales podcast. Sorry for the delay on these. I've actually gone on holidays for the first time in a while. So, uh, but kind of got a little bit of a remote setup now. So, planning on pumping through a couple this week uh, and the first cab off the ranks is my good mate Tommy Searle. Uh, we've been wanting to do this for a while. Uh, he's pretty pretty heavy in the media game these days. Uh, he's got his own podcast with Billy Bolt uh, and E-Dub Eddie Warren. Uh, so been wanting to get Tommy on pretty much uh, since, since they uh, kicked off their podcast. Me and Tommy were mates uh, back in like 2010 uh, when he was in America and I was first there. Uh, we've always kept in contact, but we honestly haven't even caught up in person since then. So hoping to change that in 2022 in person. But uh, this was awesome just to get to sit, catch up with a mate, um, spend three hours sort of catching up and talking all things bikes. Tommy had such an epic career. Uh, and when you hear his backstory of getting into racing um, and I guess the way that he kind of went through the professional ranks, it's honestly an incredible story. So uh, I loved getting to hear him tell that story. Um, and I think you guys will too. Uh, just a quick word from our sponsors, not one of our official sponsors, but just a bit of a shout out for, for old Eddie. Um, if you're in the UK, hit up at Kex on Instagram, uh, and you'll check out some of the coolest underwear, uh, in the game over there in the UK and Europe. So at Kex on IG, uh, big supporter of Tommy, uh, Billy Bolt, as well as, uh, the, two pro one slow podcast so uh new sponsor as well for us uh the guys are cto industries you might actually remember uh if you follow us on instagram uh we posted ronan's employee of the year bonus uh that actually come from the guys at cto industries the team at cto are leaders in the australian four by four canopies touring and off-road market and their main objective is to provide class-leading products that allow you to build your adventure, followed with classic customer service and the peace of mind knowing that each component of your build will work as needed when needed. These guys specialize in the new full series trucks like the Ram, F-Truck and Silverado that have just hit the market here in Australia, as well as domestic four-wheel drives like the Hilux, the Ranger and the Land Cruiser. 
As far as products go, these guys do absolutely everything. They do cargo and storage, compressors, roof racks, safety items. They do side steps. They do recovery gear. They do all of your electrical. That includes fridges and accessories, UHF communications. They do a full line of suspension from Fox Shocks, from the guys at King Shocks. Uh, they do K see uh lighting and ultravision lighting as well uh, and they also do wheels and tires from raceline and yokohama uh, these guys are incredible i'm super excited to be working with them in 2022 uh not only did they hook it up with roans for his employee of the year deal uh but we're going to have some builds coming with them really soon as well uh so once again cto industries.com.au uh, and give the guys a follow on the gram as well this episode is brought to you as well by the guys at Manscaped and exciting news from our friends at Manscaped. They have just launched their fourth generation performance package. This ultimate package includes the new Lawnmower 4.0. You heard that right, the 4.0 Manscaped trimmer. The leaders in male grooming have done it again to make sure your grooming game is next level. Join the 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with the new performance package 4.0 by going to manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping when you use the code gypsy gang this really has been worth the wait for this new 4.0 package inside the package you'll find their new 4.0 trimmer the weed whacker the ear nose and hair trimmer the crop preserver ball deodorant highly recommend the crop reviver toner performance boxer briefs and a travel bag to hold your goodies once again, get 20% off plus free shipping with the code gypsygang at manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping with gypsygang at manscaped.com. Your balls have been through enough this past year. We've all been through enough. Treat them with the best tools for the job at Manscaped. This episode is brought to you by the guys at MX Store, as always. And just today, they've announced their 125 Cup Triple Crown for 2022. The first round is at Moto Land uh, in Ipswich on March 6th. Then they head to Mountain Man Toowoomba. April 16th to 17th with the final round TBC uh, but that will be in Queensland as well so uh, if you're around on any of those dates be sure to come and check out that action uh, if you need any parts or accessories for your dirt bike maybe for that race even you can head to mxstore.com.au if you order before 2 p.m you're going to get same day shipping uh, the guys at MX Store truly are leaders in Australia uh once again, mxor.com.au. Uh, we're also brought to you by the guys at TrainAid. Uh, man, I can't say enough about how good this product is. Uh, obviously, Moto talk today, uh, but if you watch the UFC on the weekend, you'll see that Israel Adesanya just defended his belt. Jordy, the creator of TrainAid, uh, is the guy that does all of Israel Adesanya's weight cutting and then uh, rehydration for uh, the fights that he does. Uh, Israel Adesanya drinks TrainAid immediately after he steps off the scale um, for UFC title fights. It's been huge for my own, not just my own training, um, but just for, I guess, lifestyle in general. Um, TrainAid.com.au uh, is where you're going to go. Uh, and also, you can use the code GYPSY15 uh, to get yourself 15% off. TrainAid.com, sorry, not .com.au. Uh, we're also brought to you by the guys at Fist Handwear. You can head to fist.com. 
fisthandwear.com, uh, as well as the guys at Rival Inc., rivalincdesignco.com. Use the code GYPSYGANG for 15% off at both of those. All right, that's it from me. Enjoy this episode with a true legend of the game, Tommy Sell. Oh, well, we'll just yeah, roll in, then. mate. The, uh, it was funny the other day, like, the boys posted that best of 2021, and Tommy Sell popped up a few times, eh? From what? What's that? From which thing? Remember that that post that uh, the boys put up, like the best of twenty twenty one. That was like, who do you want to see? Oh in yeah, twenty twenty two. There was a lot of Tommy. Sons, yeah, no, there was a few. I did see it come up. It was good. Yeah, so oh, we've been so trying to do it for a long time, but well, not a long time. Yeah. Couple of months. No, I feel like it's been longer than that. Well, I've always wanted to do it with you. It's one of those things. I mean, this is the I guess just the podcast in general. Me and Ed were actually talking about it the other day. That um, it's just one of those things where like. <laughs> It's just such like a long game with with guests. Like there's so many people that I've met over the years traveling and, you know, have hung out with and it'll be so good for the podcast. But it just takes such a, like the scheduling side of things just takes such a long time sometimes, eh? Yeah, it's just getting that. Well, it's quite a, a long thing, isn't it? It's not like pop on and then it's setting up, especially when we're, um, well, we're in different countries. If you was here and you're just like, all right, I'll drive up and then you're on the podcast and it's done. Or likewise, if I was over there, but... When you're two different continents, more difficult. Yeah, and then Europe is a terrible time zone. So we're actually we're actually about to launch our um, Euro Studio too. We're gonna have one in the Netherlands. Oh really? So there'll be yeah. So oh, there'll be, be like UK, thing. yeah, US, Netherlands, and then I want to do a UK one. I was talking to I was talking to Ed about it the other day, and then I was talking to um, oh Gary Price the yeah. other day as well about it. I just don't know where would actually be good in the UK because it's such like, it's a small island. Like, obviously it's a small island, but it's not it that like, small. You could set something up at Ed's probably the best place or just a little studio near because we're in the Midlands. So um, it's just the middle, isn't it? But you're best off, even if you're in um, the Netherlands, at least over there for us, it depends which um, who you want on the podcast. The motocross people, they go over there. I mean, there's not many motocross riders as such in England. Uh, all mm. the GP guys are already based in um, the Netherlands and if they're not based there they definitely go there a few times a year so you can catch your, your best of both worlds there I would have said yeah yeah so it'll be it'll be cool to to do it's um it's crazy just with COVID like it sort of forces I feel like it forced a lot of us to to sort of change what we're doing because it sort of seems like you boys COVID was almost like the catalyst for um for you guys to start the channel and the podcast and yeah it's sort of it seems like it's been a, a, a change for a lot of people you know like it's forced everyone to pivot yeah no we changed a lot but over here it was um it's difficult everything changed but if i think back now to what like what changed for me nothing really changed at the same time because uh mm. just i don't know over here we keep ourselves to ourselves i wasn't racing gps that year i'd already stopped um so that was obviously if you're traveling it's a huge difference compared to if you're just racing in England and that was the first year I raced in England so it all sort of um it didn't affect me as much as it would most other people because I come to Ed's ride I go to a few local tracks and then I can go there privately so it was one of those where and then there wasn't many races happening so you didn't need to ride as much it was just uh sort of forced us to do not forced us but then we 
because there was nothing happening, we was like, oh, well, let's make something happen. And we made, um, it was more Billy's YouTube, Billy Bolt's YouTube. And then um, we spent the summer messing around doing that. And then that led to then me doing a little bit of YouTube and things like that. Yeah, it's cool. It's one of the things I was saying to Ed. Also, shout out to Ed, by the way. He's the man that's yeah, made all this Yeah, he's the man behind it all. I, uh, I was thinking back, like, I remember you and Ed were pretty much some of my first mates that I ever had in the US. Like, and it is, it's a trip to think that you guys are doing the podcast and then your channel, and it's still on Edub Media, which yeah, was like is. a YouTube channel that he had. Ten, like, that's nearly, that what is 10 years ago? It's yeah, 2010. More. That, yeah, yeah, more, 12 <laughs> no, years ago. Yeah, more because he's got videos, um, yeah, way more than 10 years ago. When I was in America, I moved there at the end of 2008. Um, mm. So that's 14 years ago. That's mental. Um, it is unless wild. I added that I'm wrong, added that up wrong, but um, yeah, that's mad to think about that. And then Ed had videos before that as well. And then it's like his thing in America, sort of, he started filming more. But then a lot of videos came um, from America, and then the couple of years when I got back from America, so like when I was racing for Kawasaki Pro Circuit, um, or the CLS version, like the UK version, yeah, or oh, sorry, not UK, um, they were French, but like the European team was sponsored by pro circuit and it was sort of like um the same sort of thing but uh i rode there for two years and then a lot of ed's videos are from that that time yeah it's, it's a trip to think like i wouldn't i would have never thought that i would have been doing this especially like at the capacity that that i'm doing it nowadays like it just wasn't even on on the radar you know but just crazy to think that yeah 12 years ago we were just hanging out at your place in in yeah I d- I for some reason I, it's no in, idea it's in my um Head, you just hanging out on the sofa at hours for. I can't remember why you'd come over that day or what, or whether he was just hanging out. But I can la- literally picture it. You sat on the sofa. Um, yeah, I I don't know what we were. I don't know what we were doing. I'm, we went somewhere. I remember we like went somewhere. Then yeah, we were all just kind of chilling. But it was pretty much right as you were leaving. And I remember being super bummed that um like it sort of happened pretty quick that you made that move back to ride for the CLS yeah. pro circuit team. And I was like, I was pumped cause I was super homesick and like missing everyone. And then I had like, cause there's always the UK, like it's such a much of a muchness, you know, with yeah. like the UK boys. I just remember being super bummed that you're like, yeah, I'm leaving. But, uh, but yeah, it was sick to, it was sick to hang, but just funny. Like, you know, yeah, fast forward 12 years, yeah, we're all sort of doing just like same, same, but different in a way. Yeah. It just goes full circle. But I remember, um, was you over there with the, was it J-Star team? Or was you filming yeah, for yeah. that team? And that just, I don't know if that had just started or was it had it not even started at that point? Nah, so 2010 was when I went over to film Motocross of Nations. And then I did the, did you race that no, year? No, I was injured tw- that year, a lot of 2010. So I didn't, that was Colorado, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I flew over to do parlor and then motocross the nations and then the the chick that like the travel agent to book my flight actually fucked up the flights and i was supposed to be there for two weeks i was supposed to leave after colorado but she booked me for the entire three months of my esther which so it's just like full by chance and then i had no money at the time like at all and uh so i was just on people's sofas for that whole three months and then it just made me really want to stay because I guess it forced me to meet a lot of different yeah. people. And I didn't want to outstay my welcome anywhere. So I was kind of just bouncing around to everyone. And then it sort of ended up making sense that, or that planted the idea in my head that 
man, I actually want to like, I'd love to move over here. And it was after that that I ended up actually moving. So it's yeah. a bit of a weird kind of chance. But then, and then the J-Star thing happened because I was already filming for those guys in Australia. And then they said they were going to America. And I was like, fuck, perfect, I'll come. Yeah, no, I'm, I remember the J-Star videos of um, Malcolm at that place wherever you filmed it. I think that was Australia, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, that was just my hometown. That's like where really? I grew up riding. Except, yeah, no yeah, yeah. Yeah, so we uh, it was. You, do you remember Jackson Richardson? Do you ever watch any of his his um, videos I, and stuff? I think so. Him? I yeah, don't know so him as was, such, but I think I've seen him on a few videos. Yeah, so that was his dad's property. They got this big cane farm, so it's about five minutes from my house. And like that's all we grew up riding was every afternoon when we rode, we'd go to that farm, and then he'd have like these big rotary hose because it was like a, a sugar cane field, yeah. and like that had. It was wet there all the time, and they just rotary hoe. We just did turn tracks. That's why I can't fucking jump. Uh, really, but on that video, <laughs> there was so you it all got revamped for that video. Then, like a, we a big built project, everything. Yeah, yeah, because yeah it we was, built um, everything. I mean, there was never yeah. bigger jumps. I don't think than that that video. Nah, nah, it was pretty. It was pretty sick. But then, then yeah, that was so. That was a, I think the end. I'm trying to remember what year that. Nah, was. that was after. That one, that was 12, I think. Yeah, that, that was, was a, 2012. A while after. But that was like Malcolm's first thing as a pro. Yeah, no, I, that's why it stands out, sort of that video. And then I remember meeting you in America and then it just sort of, um, yeah, the things that stand out, kind of things. Yeah, so, no, it was a yeah, crazy time. But then media has changed so much. Like the stuff, you what you guys are doing is like the the model of like what media works now. Like you've just kind of turned into like your own brand in a way and then billy's doing the same thing and then you've got ed that's like producing the podcast you're kind of just like ticking all the boxes on all of the platforms but like you know back then to like speak of that shoot we probably put like or jdr probably put like 60 70 thousand dollars into that shoot we had we using like phantom flex cameras the red epic but we actually borrowed the a red epic off the hobbit set there was none of them in the world so we had one yeah we had one that west williams bought and then there was another one that um that red lent to this guy to do that shoot and it literally come off that so but that shit just it doesn't happen anymore like that was all the thing back then wasn't it It was doing like these banger edits and videos no one um Nah, now it's like what you guys do is like just hitting the sweet spot for moto yeah no it's it's um it's just strange how it all goes and then maybe that will come back around with the edits and things like that but at that time it was like three minute edits wasn't it that was a thing I remember watching it all myself on Racer X and things watching videos and then it went I don't know small edits and now um, yeah now like you said it's gone more YouTube YouTube based and then yeah we're trying over here a little bit with Billy we obviously we've, we're quite lucky because we've got like um, Ed Ed there that does it all without him I'd be sort of stuck um or hugely stuck and then we've got Bill there's Bill that comes and goes and he's obviously a different discipline doing enduro so we've got like a a good mix I feel of what um what's going on because then I get to cross over and he likes riding motocross and uh, I think he himself has made a massive change bringing enduro making it quite cool because before it was not like um not not cool but now I think motocross riders not look up to him but they're like they all respect it so much more um and uh 
yeah, not not because of the videos we've done, but just him in general crossing over and him having such mm. a big um, how much he enjoys motocross and then he likes follows those guys, mountain bike guys, and um, it's just um, brought the enduro scene hugely into the the public eye. I feel in our industry. Man, I completely agree, and I think Billy's coming on next couple of days. But I mean, that's literally like one of the things I wanted to say to him is like, how does it feel to be the guy that made Enduro cool? Yeah. Because, I mean, I I did a shoot with Red Bull um, called Donna Partying. I don't know if you would have seen it, no, but it was Taylor, Taylor Roberts and Cody Webb. And those dudes were fucking killing it. Like we went up into this, this uh, ski ranch in summer um, in Lake Tahoe. And again, that was one of those big Red Bull banger kind of edits. And, um, and I just got a crazy respect for those boys then, but no one's kind of had like the personality that Billy had because Billy's the kind of guy that you'd follow him, whether he rode flat track, whether he rode like he, he's kind of just the guy that would make anything cool, if that makes sense. But it just happens that he's like one of the baddest enduro dudes in the world, world champ. So he really did make enduro cool in such a big way and it's crazy that it just takes a someone's personality like the right guy with the right people around him you know like he's vibing off off you and ed and there's like a legit friendship there as well but yeah you get one guy just completely changes the whole sport yeah he has um he just for me well before we used to be friends with johnny walker or not used to be still friends with johnny walker but he was the first person we hung around with and he was enduro and um but then Billy's come and he's that little bit more into everything else at the same time, like into the mountain yeah. bike, into, and he's um, younger. Johnny's a little bit older at the time, so Billy's young and just wants to do everything, um, and a lot more outgoing as such. So he's here, there, everywhere, doing stuff. And then it's, but even for me, like I liked enduro, or not really liked it at all. I wouldn't even think to go ride a day yeah. enduro. But now it's like I found like I really enjoy it, and it I wouldn't have thought that before. And I watch it more. And you just see it just so much more um, in the in the eye, I think, and that's from Billy. So he's um, it's good, good crossover as well for us guys, and um, something else like a little different avenue to to um, push videos to, and and likewise for him in the motocross because you see even like Axel Hodges and those guys, they all they like post Billy stuff and Billy post them, and that would never happen years ago. Never do no. like at all. I mean, that's that's one of my the things that I enjoy the most about the podcast as well is like talking to different people and then trying to connect different people as well because that's the if there's anything that's positive about social media it's how easy it is for people to come together and like work on content post different stuff and yeah like you said Axel sharing his deal and I think that that's just opened up the this it's it just feels like it's way more just two wheels these days than um than it ever used to be like i remember as a kid dude like if it wasn't motocross or supercross or crusty demons like i was not interested at all and my dad rode enduros and had xr 600s and 400s and all that shit didn't want a bar of it but nowadays it just seems like everyone just it's just like ride all the bikes it's more about a vibe than like a discipline yeah, it is. It's, and it's a, lot, it's a lot more enjoyable that way, do you know, because we're just, it's just opened everything up. Um, and then right, everyone's just like, oh, that's sick, he's riding that or he's riding that. It um, doesn't matter so much what you're riding as long as you're out having fun. I suppose it's more like 
it's going a bit more like mountain bike when I've spent a bit more time mm. with people in that they don't care what they're just riding and everyone's there having fun and that seems to be a lot more um, be coming into the motocross uh, world a, a little bit more do you know people are out there having fun rather than just turning up at a track riding going home it's more about um, enjoying enjoying what you're doing and I think maybe that's come from the whole um, COVID and all that sort of thing so many people in the UK that I because I do like riding days um, riding schools and things obviously because my um, my season's not as long it's not as many races so I have more time to do things um, and it's just another thing that I enjoy doing but the amount of people that started riding and they're um, from they may have rode when they was a kid but now they're back riding and all, all the mm. reason always is the same because they um, yeah COVID come around and they they got they sort of opened their eyes that they were just going nuts at work like never f- just focusing work 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 and they were like oh I realised I need to spend a little bit more time with my friends um, doing something I enjoy so then they bought a bike and um, enjoying it basically so I think that come like you said it opened up a lot of doors and things like that came from that as well yeah no, I definitely think that the content has a lot to do with it as well like you, as soon as you start because you mean, I mean people are called influencers for a reason you know like at the end of the day if you put it into 2022 terms you're just a, an influencer you're a dirt bike influencer in a, in a way you know yeah, no, and yeah. uh and it's like you start you need to look for ways to make content you've got to look you're like oh yeah we, we've yeah, got you- this channel like we've got to feed it so like fuck let's go ride an enduro bike let's go do a day of trials let's go and then that it does build to the vibe and i can see it on the stuff that we do uh as well it's like you that the content I, I think really does drive a lot of this shit too yeah it does because people um the messages i get now i mean i've had instagram for years and years but then the messages I get now are so much more that way. Like people are messaging saying, oh, I've bought a bike because of your videos. Mm. I um, I hadn't rode for so many years. This had happened, this had happened, but now I'm back riding because of your videos and I've bought this bike or, um, and that it's um, like you say, yeah, it is influencing them to get bikes again, to enjoy themselves. And they they see it in a different light. Like, oh, they, they have such a good time. I want a bit of that. Do you know, I've got my mates that ride. I want to join back in. Um, so you're exactly right and then it does get to a point where we are trying to, to do things like because everyone's every day is not as exciting as what it seems on um yeah on social media like you get up even if we go to a track you get up you go to a track as, as a motocross rider you get stuck in that thing like you go to a track you ride you do your sessions the sessions are pretty hard so after riding you're knackered you go home you do whatever but um the days are pretty structured and they're they're the same like it's not like every day you you're ripping a new track or you're going this place or that place and then you're going to ride enduro and then your mate's coming over and you're going to do this so there is times where you do have to think a little bit out the box and say like let's go there let's do a road trip here and even us we're saying ed before like we need to go somewhere and do something cool or rebuild the track that you'd probably ride it just for years and just and you're, you're just trying to make stuff but then at the same time when you do that you realize that oh that was cool like we need to do more of that sort of thing um yeah so it does bring um yeah you have to look outside the box you can't just get stuck in that rut or it's the same thing but at the same time it brings uh it brings yes it brings something nice because you're 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 looking for something new to do and then you find out that that was real fun do you know what i mean rather than just doing the same thing every day oh definitely dude and i mean for a guy that is in your position, like you've been a pro for 
what, like, it was like 05, 06, yeah, so, maybe? Oh, I was really young, wasn't I? So when I sort of um, just jumped on the scene. I was raced my first GP in 2005, done three mm. GPs, and then I was straight in in 2006 full-time. Yeah, so it's like, that's a that's a long career to just be doing the same shit day in, day out. And you're not, if you're not... Um, like interacting with people if you don't have a platform where people can talk to you and and message you uh then you're not really seeing like the impact and i think that if you're just one of those dudes that's in the grind like a you know like a chase sexton or a cameron mcadoo like i, I doubt there's people that are messaging those boys being like mate you've made me want to ride like because you're doing quads on yeah. supercross like you know it's not really relatable it's nothing against them like that's what their no, job it's is not, it's not relatable um but i think like when i it's hard because you don't miss not having like when I was racing from 2005 to I don't know when Instagram and whatever social media come around 2012 you don't like think fuck I missed out on um having that because I don't know it's not like they were good years as well but you just didn't have social media it wasn't even a it wasn't an issue like my time in America was um there was no social media still at that point and it, it was still unreal like you still met people you still done stuff so it's it's a little bit odd like the way it, the way it works because you were the same and you're like I went there and you still met people you still done everything but it is just so different now but at the same time it's nice like for people to reach out and when I get messages like that it's such it's so nice when people say oh you've yeah I've started riding because of this or I've started riding because of that and um it's nice it's nice to hear that sort of um that you have influenced people to get bikes and enjoy it and uh, that's a nice part of um of the social media yeah, and I, I think that um, it's not going to, like, there's a level of fulfillment from it. And, I mean, even for me, like, when I started the podcast, like, I was not even really writing at all. But I just, the Moto dudes are, like, my friends and they're the people that would be, like, famous that people would want to listen to. And then you start getting people giving you that feedback, like, mate, you're making me want to ride. And I was like, fuck, you're making me kind of want to ride, like. So then I sort of almost started rewriting again. I didn't ride the whole time I lived in America. And it was like, there's a level of fulfillment that comes with that. And so I can imagine that you being like 20 years nearly into a career of racing, it's like, it's pretty hard to find fulfillment in race results and you're not doing GPs anymore. And it's like, you, there's the... I guess like the level of accolades that you can kind of go after, it sort of starts to drop down a little bit. And then you see guys that just like slowly fade away into the distance. And then they're, they're not real. There's probably not a lot that like dirt bikes is like giving to them. Whereas I kind of can see with you guys that there's like a reason for you to keep going and, you know, going well into your thirties. It's like there's, we, we come, we're in a sport where people just retire and then they're gone. Like they sort of vanish but it seems like with this content lane and like the way that you guys are, you know, in the industry that it, it's kind of, it's a sick way to keep guys like you around for a long, longer period of time and actually getting something out of the sport. Yeah, no, <clears throat> sorry. Um, exactly that because like you said, now I've raced in America. I went to America, then I raced, um, you race GPs and then you race GPs forever. And then there's always the gold, you know, like, but then I, I'm stepping down. Obviously, I'm only racing in the UK. So like you said, I won the British Championship. Um, I won it last year. I won it um, the year before that. And uh, I won it 
one time before, but when I was at the peak of my career, um, there was times where I raced three or four rounds of the British Championship, was was won every round and then just never went back. Do you know, it was not even a goal. It was like the team was like, yeah. we're not interested in the British Championship. Like you're winning it, but not not bothered. Like we're not taking our bikes over there because um, we're, we're too busy focusing on the GP. So now obviously my goals have changed. Um, but at the same time, like you said, it, my results are good and it's nice to win, but they're not the be all and end all anymore. Whereas at GPs, it was always, um, everything was results driven. So everything I'd yeah. done was all based on results. If you had a good week, um, if you had a shit weekend, you was going to have a bad week because you was you was upset. Do you know what I mean? And then you, you worked again. But now it's not exactly as you said. It's not all. Everything's not results driven now. It's um, all like I'm still racing. Obviously, I still get paid by Honda in the UK. I still race the British Championship. So the goal is to win. But at the same time, it's not. It's not everything in my life. Like the whole year is not working around that. Um, that goal as such and if I don't have a good result of the weekend it's not like um it's not the be all and end all I still want to still work hard and we still as a team and as the the people around me that um put the work into their team do you know because they're a good group of people but personally yeah there's other goals and um the the social media and not so much yeah not so much social media but the youtube things like that hanging out with billy ed and the the fun that's that's giving back is as important, do you know, because I'm yeah. really enjoying it. And then you're building a platform, like you said, that you're not just going to dwindle away, get a couple of fifths and then just in the British and then just retire. And then you're never going to be seen again. Like I, I would like to build something that when people say, oh, it's going well. And I said, yeah, it's going well. Like the, I really enjoy it. And they say they enjoy watching it, things like that. But then at the same time, I'd like to um, build it so that it's a nice platform that when I finish racing, I can still be, I can still go enjoy racing and have a reason to get out of my bike because you're like, oh, I'm going to make this video today. That would be cool. And um, yeah. these guys have come on board. They want me to test this or ride this new bike. So it's a nice way that I can be involved, um, still make a little bit of money from it, have a reason to, to go out on my bike and have a reason to yeah enjoy it and bring that sense of um, enjoyment from riding a bike and it not just being... Um, yeah, not just dwindle away and then think, well, I've got no reason to ride bikes anymore sort of thing. Like yeah. um, my friends are getting a bit older. They're not riding. They've all retired. But now gives me a reason to wake up. Um, well, not to wake up, but like to do things in the motocross industry still through that. And that that's what that's what I'm trying to do, open doors in that way. And, I mean, there must have been a point where you're – because you were like – always up front like when you were in gp seasons pretty much like your seconds thirds overall in the championship so like there's a there's a point in time where it's like you're one of the main dudes and then i'm sure that your retirement plan looked different than what it does now so like that it's crazy the way that you would have looked at retirement it's almost like you've had two different retirement plans at one point i'm guessing um well, yeah, when I raced, my first full year at GPs, I think I was sixth in the world. And then second year at 17, got second. Um, so it was like a big jump. I went straight to factory KTM. Um, and then the goal was, oh, I'll go to America. So then I'd race one more year in GPs, got second, went to America, um, raced outdoors. And obviously, you, and then, yeah, raced outdoors out there, raced a couple of Supercross, another year outdoors, but got injured. So came back and then again was fighting for World Championship. So then it was always... It was hard. When I was that young, you never really look at a retirement plan. So 
mm, was true. racing. And then as you get to an MX1 class, you're thinking, oh, I'm making all right money. Like, I can do this. Um, but now, and then, yeah, you didn't really think about racing in the UK. We're quite lucky that in the UK you have quite a strong scene. Um, you're able to make a, a career from it. Um, not a career, but you're able to make a decent living at the same time as enjoying it rather than in some countries like if you I think for America for instance if you're not um if you're not racing top level or you're not racing the main series there's no yeah. there's no step down like um you can't just race local races and then make a living where in England basically we're making like racing local races um it's a little bit like the Australian championship the British championship yep. I would I would imagine I'm, I've never been to Australia so I wouldn't know, but the scene seems quite similar. The guys are pretty fast. They can come over. They could race a few GPs, do pretty well, but then some of them choose to just like, I'm pretty set here. Like I'm, I'm enjoying living at home. I can make more money here than if I was to go sort of have a, have a go at GPs and struggle there. So they, they settle where they are sort of things, you know? Um, so I think the series are very similar now, but then, yeah, just my retirement's different. I, obviously I don't, I don't expect to be making a fortune from from what I'm doing, like on the social side of thing, like YouTube, things like that. And it, if it does build, that's a great thing as well. But it was more through the thing, like I mentioned before, just enjoying it, having a sense of reason to still ride, having a reason to go say to the missus, right, I'm out. We're going to ride enduro all day in, in a shithole in Wales. Like we're just going to get wet through and and ride bikes like with our mates and. And we're going to make a video at the same time. And it, it brings a little bit of fun. Sometimes people might think, well, you're, you're not, you're, you're filming all day. Like you're not taking it for what it is in the moment. But at the same time, that then gets you out the house at the same time. Because yeah, if I it agree. wasn't, um, if I wasn't going to go film enduro, sometimes I'd be like, fuck that. I'm not going there. The <laughs> fucking riding that. It's, it's freezing outside. Like it's piss wet through. But then when you do it, you, you've been out for the day, you've been out with your mates, you filmed a little bit, and, and a lot of the time it don't take your whole day to film a video. Do you know, you go out there, it gets you out of the house, you do it, you everyone has a laugh, you do some funny things that you wouldn't have done if the camera wasn't about because you're like, well, let's try and get up that. Or, so at the same time as it, it brings way more than it takes away, like yeah, way more. Uh, I, I completely agree. And to me, it's like, I personally, one of the things that I enjoy the most about the podcast is throwing out just ridiculous ideas, like the Manjum Up thing that we did last year. Like Manjum Up is fucking gnarly, dude, and I'm not very good at riding, <laughs> and Sam's not real good either. But we drove what five thousand yeah, days. Some, I see to, it on your thing, you know, and it's like I wouldn't have done that if we didn't film it, and it's like. Uh, I think it's fun to do it. It gives you like some accountability. You say you're going to do it. You know, people are going to be watching. It makes you go like, yeah, I, I completely agree. Like the filming thing for me. And that's why I've kind of always liked filming because it's hard to do. But once you've committed to it, you, you go and you, like you said, you're getting out of the house. And yeah, a lot of times you'll just do a lot of shit that you wouldn't have otherwise, <laughs> otherwise done. And then people get a kick out of it. Mm. No, I completely agree. It brings way more than it. Um, like even if you have to film some bits, but it it gives you that um, motivation to go do it. Like you said, you've like, oh, we're gonna do that on a podcast. You say it tongue in cheek, and then all of a sudden they're like, we we got to do it. Like let's go, let's load up. And you're like, are we really doing this sort of thing? Um, but we've said the same this year. Like we want to. I was talking to Ed the other day. Like let's do something fun. Let's go here. Let's do that because you have to. You have to make new things. And um, 
otherwise it's just going to get stale because and and yeah in general things can get stale you know you do the same thing over and over and over so yeah. it um it it makes you um make opportunities and do things i definitely think you boys have a pretty big future with doing it in terms of you know it being like a a legitimate business i mean you just haven't been at it really that long in uh in you know the way that you've been doing it i think that over the next couple of years man with like the way that that media is going in general and you know like reaching different countries i think that's the crazy thing about youtube is that you know you've got this massive global brand that's like if you make good content it wants people to see it because it makes money off your content as well so i i think that the sky's the limit and you guys are just doing it on such a a cool level already and i just think that it's just going to be one of those things that builds and builds and builds and it's the perfect mix of characters if if that makes sense like you know you've got yourself that's like the super smooth pro world x you know x world gp dude and then you've got billy that's like the world enduro mad dog and then you've got ed who's the normal guy that's filming it's uh, all the mix is there to where i think that it's something going forward that it can be as big as you want it to be yeah it's not it's, yeah i like it and i like those ideas um but at the same time we don't i don't want to like force it do you know like it, it's as long I don't as think you have yeah to. no and that's how it is now we don't because You've got yeah. Billy that's still at the top of his game. Do you know what I mean? He's a, he's world world champion. He won the Super Enduro. He's won, I don't know, all his championships. But he wins, do you know? Like, And he's still, his main <laughs> focus is racing. Um, and then me, I'm, I'm on, my way, on my way down as such. Like I've raced at the top level. Um, I'm no longer racing at the top level, but I'm still racing at a good level. And it's still, I enjoy getting up. I enjoy training. Um and then we've we've got the video so as long as everything flows and we all still enjoy it and obviously we need ed to keep enjoying it because he puts it together but i think um even from his point of view he wouldn't do it if he didn't enjoy doing it so it gives him um yeah he likes doing it and getting out same same with him because he could he's got we've got kex or ed's ed's company kex and he could just sit in the office and design design the underwear design the, the clothing but that gets him out and then it gets the brand out um and you can build brands from it. So at the same time, we're doing all the videos. It then opens, opens doors. And as long as we're all enjoying it, and then um, yeah, we'll just keep it rolling. The um, the bike builds is dope too that you guys have done. I mean, that's something that I well, we're we're like finishing content at the moment. Fuck, we've been it's so hard to finish shit at the moment with all this different stuff that we got going on. But um, I think the bike builds were so good too, and like you. I watched your. Did you was yours a ninety five or a ninety six? Uh, I think ninety six it was. But people yeah. say, oh, that's a 95, 96, But I don't know the difference. Yeah, me neither. I, w- I literally went out and bought one. I found one right as you were. I think I actually sent it to you. But right as you were getting yours, I yeah. found one on bike sales, and I was just like, "Fuck, done. I'm going and I'm buying it right now." And I've uh, I haven't touched it. It's pretty much. I raced it just how it is. The other, like a, a few months ago, it was fucking trash. But like, <laughs> I, I'm so I'm so keen to do a build. But that build that you guys did was absolutely next level. Yeah, the, the um, obviously we've got Doc Wobber who who we put in the videos, and he he's been around ages, and he wizard. Yeah, he's a perfectionist of it. And if you've seen the videos, then um. I, I don't think you can build a better bike. You you literally can't. No. Like he's there was no stone unturned. Um, 
and we still have the bike it's over at Ed's now so we still ride that but yeah there's there's no better 1996 Honda out there like there's really not he's got factory parts from um, um, factory parts from 96 that era he bought yeah he, he makes everything so he's seen all the factory parts he worked on factory bikes back then he's worked on all the mechanics and then he has actual factory bikes that he's managed to get his hand on through the years like because he knows so many people throughout the industry and people go to him and they're like, well, we've got this bike that we, um, we don't really know what to do with it. Like we shouldn't really have it. Like, do you want it sort of thing? Like it's, yeah. someone's had it out of, I don't know where they've got it from, but there's this just factory bike there. And they're like, we, we can't really sell it because we shouldn't have it. And then he sees yeah. everything and then he's copied parts and he's making parts that people don't have for the, like they're not available. So now he's like, um, he's making everything that you can't buy. So the bikes are um, the bikes are unreal. And then, but he's also making it so other people can build these sort of bikes because where parts obviously for those sort of bikes they're um, few and far between because like it's I don't know how many years ago off the top of my head, but a long time ago now. So there's not parts just floating around everywhere, hard to build. Like I can imagine if you want to rebuild yours in Australia now, like it's difficult to get parts for that bike. Um, oh yeah. So. He's making parts, so it's he's making it available for people to rebuild bikes and make them them all a lot better. But that side of things, again, it was for YouTube, something I wouldn't have done unless we were doing YouTube, like no way. Um, so that got me, uh, yeah, we just bought a bike and then we thought this would be cool because we've seen bike builds on um, on YouTube before and enjoyed watching those, so we thought, let's do one ourselves. Um, and we did, and then now we've got another one going on as well. So we're going to make a 2002 Ricky Carmichael replica and um we've actually sent the engine to ricky carmichael's mechanic from 2002 so the engine's been boxed up from the uk sent to america he's now rebuilding that um so so it'll be the exact engine that ricky used um and then we're going to race that at the vet um the mxdn at fox hills this year and i think we've got zach osborne he's racing it i think Villapoto's coming over um brownie who's like a legend in the, at those races. So yeah, um, yeah, the bike's going to be completely built. But again, another thing that, that comes from the videos or I'd have never, so done, never done that. The uh, speak, just a quick little detour. Did you see Carmichael posted today that battle between yeah. him and Everts? At I, watched, I was at that race. That was my, um, I was going to ask, were you, were you there? Yeah, or I like, would have been, um, how old would it was? What year did they say that was 2004? Nah, three. It was 2003. It was the last year he was on that 250. Yeah, that was the first big race I ever went to as a kid. I remember driving over with my dad um, with a few friends, and I remember flying around the paddock on a minibike, like in the fields. Um, Zolder was the the track it was at, and then that was actually the same track that I raced my first full year of GPs at. So the first round was in Zolder. Um, Unreal track, obviously, you've seen it in the videos. Yeah, it's... um, was good but they never raced there again after that so they raced des nations um and i think zolder 2006 uh was the last time they raced it but yeah that was that was just unreal that video but i remember being there man that's crazy yeah i was i was literally watched it before we did this and i was sitting down on the toilet watching that video my legs went numb i watched it so many yeah, times good. i see <laughs> I it yesterday like, and then ricky then reposted it yeah, man, what an era, dude! What an era! Like just the the champions that we had between Carmichael, Everts, 
and then you had like a young Caroli, and then you had like uh, like Stewart, Pastrana, Tortelli. Like, man, that was the craziest era of motocross back then. Yeah, it, and styles that still hold up. Yeah, it's mad how you look back and you see them, them names. It was even. Um, it's just I don't I don't know if it will be the same now when you look back on this era, the young kids. It just seems odd, doesn't it? Like, how old are you? You're the same as me, like. 30, I'm I 32. I'm, yeah, I'm 33. I'm 88. You're 89. Yeah, I so it's... um, I don't know if it's just because of our time because then you obviously you get the older guys that are like, this was the main era, like when you had, say, Dave Thorpe, that's my team um, team owner now, that they all look at that era and then we look at the Carmichael, the, the Stuart, the um, Everts, like a day like that. They don't come around often, um, especially because you've got Everts that was so many times world champion at that point already, I think probably seven times. Um, Carmichael, who's the best of the best, and they just went head to head. Like That rarely happens now. Yeah, dude. And I mean, the the thing too, like just the style of Everts, just to watch him ride like on that video, like I watched it today, and you look at the way that he's just on the pegs, knees back, like per- this perfect positioning to be in and that's a guy riding a re- that that bike would have handled like a donkey yeah. really <laughs> like when you compare it to let's say like a factory ktm or i don't know maybe they did handle good for you know the conditions like way softer yeah. way you know maybe they were more rideable but to see like you think most sports the way that the game is played changes so much i i think that with guys like um guys like chase and jet there we're only just now seeing like another big change in the way that bikes are ridden in a way but you know to have like that era of guys it's like to see a guy that won he started winning in the mid 90s everts and it's like that style could still carry through it's like no wonder why he won for so many years because he obviously just had something technically that other guys just didn't have yeah, he. When you watch now, it's but it's the whole thing how it all changes. It, it it's changed a lot, but then at the same time, it, it's not changed a lot because, like you said, Stefan's riding then what people are still teaching now. Do you know? Like he was. Yeah. I don't. But then you have riders like, well, before that, do you know that that were doing the same things that were like, oh, they were technically unbelievable on a bike, but still, still Everts now. What, or sorry, what he was doing then to what riders are doing now, it's that that basic technique. So you can see he makes it look so easy, but then you've got Carmichael there that's still just ragging it around the outside of him. Yeah. And um, then Stefan just slowly does a little turn and shoots up the inside. So it's um, it's just mad. I think the whole thing with the, with the bikes and how, how different they were then, I think it separated the riders a lot more than it does now as such because i think that it levels everything up with how good everyone's bike is now um and i think then it was you can see how different the bikes were where now everyone's bikes are the same do you know what i mean they're very similar where there you've got carmichael on a two-stroke just absolutely pinned and then you've got stefan on the four-stroke that was quite new at that time i i I believe um i think that would have been the first or or second or second year maybe of that bike yeah it's definitely early um but the, the two, the difference in riding style is just ridiculous. The difference in bikes ridiculous, yeah. but that they're still head to head. Whereas now you would never get that. Do you know? Like you're not going to get no. someone trying to race someone if they are on a two stroke. They they can't compete at that level. 
Nah. Uh, when you do your, when you finish your O2, you've got to try, like talk to Carmichael's dude and just get the rolled down bars. Just try and get some sort of specs on how he ran that bike because even in that video, it's just like, how did he do that? And yeah. I remember there was so many guys like Matt Moss used to do it in Australia. Ty Simmons used to do it where they just like rolled back. They had the Carmichael bet. That just doesn't work. Like, how but they actually raced. They done that to race because he done yeah. it. Really? Yeah. The Dude, sale Ty actually he done that in Europe. He he run his bars always way down. Yeah, man. It just but that's no one does that now. No. Like everyone's bars would be within like a degree or two of mm. each other's these days. I remember we went to Townley's uh, and did his riding. Uh, tours that he does in man that's something you guys should go do content wise when yeah, the world opens that. up and it's easy to do fuck it's so good man but um we went and there was this one turn there was like this triple up this uh big hill and uh i couldn't get the turn before it right at all and uh i was like it's just not it's it was like a weird sort of downhill into like a big bowl turn and then you go up and I just couldn't get momentum. And then uh, Townley's like, oh, let me ride your bike. Because I was like, man, I'm fucking wedged. I just can't get, I'm not going fast enough through a turn. It just doesn't feel good. And then he, he's like, I'll ride your bike. He gets off it and he goes, you need to roll your handlebars forward, like just half a degree. And then I was like, all right. And then I did it and the bike actually turned. And he's like, yeah, man, like the way that you're, the way that your handlebars were, like they're too far back, you're just never going to be able to get the bike to turn like that. <laughs> like that's how big of a difference. Really, it made that but, much difference. Yeah, yeah. And like it just made, I guess because it was such like an exaggerated type of turn. Yeah. Like it's such a steep downhill into such a steep bowl turn. And then you go on it, like everything about the turn was just like kind of hard to do. So just that little bit of setup. And he was like, he was like, man, any bike, like this is where you have to run your, your, uh, handlebars or it just doesn't turn but you can see the way that ricky's turning the bike back then it's like it's just all rear wheel right yeah he's just well he's just flat out he doesn't turn <laughs> he was never turning off the stefan was turning everything like off the power just real smooth and then you got ricky just either blowing through a berm to help him turn but everything was to help him turn if you know what i mean yeah it was just like tip and power to go yeah which is just a completely like contrast in style yeah, no, it's it's good to see. Really good to watch. But you just don't get that now. Like, you would never no. get it. No, you'll never get a guy... I mean, you'd probably know this from, from being on teams. Like, you're just never even going to get a team that's going to let you fuck with the setup to that point where you basically want to custom make your motorcycle to turn based off how you want to turn. No, that you don't. I had... We was riding before with Ben Watson now, and obviously he's... um. He's on the factory cowards, the factory Kawasaki team, but he was mentioning how like they don't, you don't test like you used to test, um, like 15, 20 years ago. Do you know when you go a factory bike, it'd be like, all right, let's test everything, and we got this different frame, and there's these different, there's just so many different things to test, different engine setups, different this, different that. And he, I said, what did you test? And he's like, barely tested nothing. Like they sort of know what works now, and and that's that's that. He's like, I'm not going to change everything that's that's working because the bike nearly won the world championship last year with um with Febra, so what's to change sort of thing. And I think that's even when I rode for Factory KTM the last year, it was like, okay, we've got three engines here. Which one do you want to ride? Ride all three. 
You're right. All right, engine one, but there was very, um, very little difference between all of them really, and then um, the frames were like we didn't test no frames. It was like this is it's already been done. That's the one you ride. Um, so I think the testing nowadays is very, very different to how it once was back in that time. Like I can imagine the difference in testing was huge and what they was trying. Whereas now it's all very, um, very fine tuning to get that that feeling that you're after. But in general, it's not. Um, it's not not big changes and was you went to kate factory ktm like in the early days of ktm not early like they were established but they were still they were not the bike that everyone was buying and wanting to to ride what was it like kind of jumping on that program early um well which it would have been the end of 2006 when i went to factory ktm so i'd done one year at kawasaki with the molson team um, then it was already the established team as such in the, in the Europe at that point because I think the year you well, had BT yeah but even before that so I think you had like Jamie Dobb won on in two thousand and one with the KTM Langston won in two thousand with the KTM and then I think maybe Ramon two thousand and two KTM and then I think don't know what happened in between I think Kawasaki won a championship but then it went back to um, Townley Deruva. And then you had Rat Tray. It was um, it was sort of the team to be on as such. You had Caroli so on the Yamaha. They were killing it, eh? Yeah. So when I I knew that was a team because Jamie was my manager at the time, and he says, "Right, you're gonna you. We'll see if you can get you on factory KTM because my results were good." Um, so that was always the goal. So when I went there, it was um, it was the the main team. Two fifty wise, four fifty not so much at that point still. I want to actually, I want to get to this, but I want to bookend the the 96 before we go on because I wanted to know, did you ride it first and then ride it as it was finished? Uh, no. and like how much how much better was it? You wouldn't have wanted to ride it at first. Fuck, if you've seen the video, it's it's tragic. Like it's, um, I don't know where Wob found this thing, but it was, um, yeah, you, you wouldn't even want to ride it up and down a field. Someone had had really? it like the, um, I think it come from Portugal actually. But just not like a motocross rider. Someone's just bought this bike and just towing it up and down roads and stuff. Like the tire was bald on the back. Um, yeah. So, but when I, you wouldn't have wanted to ride that. But when I got it back, it was a dream to ride that bike. Like some people say, um, yeah, they don't enjoy riding a two-stroke. But with that one, it was so, it was so, so, so nice to ride. It turned so well. Like the balance of the bike was so different, but the way it turned and, um, I think with the how what built the bike that it made that difference because it wasn't an old bike. It was like literally showroom. Everything was tight. Everything was greased. It was literally like, well, better than our showroom. It was literally unreal to ride. Like it didn't vibrate. You know, sometimes people rev their bike and you just see the old clutch. Like blah, 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 blah. it was just none of that. <laughs> it was just perfect. Didn't vibrate. Even now, it's still nice to ride. It's just getting the, the jet in and that right. Like, um, and sometimes where it's not like as fast as the the 450 you're on the throttle so much then i worry like fuck i'm revving this thing so much like am i going to blow it up so then you're like shutting off out the blue but and back on it whereas a 450 you're just like what what and then you're like well i'm in the corner already slow down where that you seem to be revving for like five seconds up a straight where a 450 like what what on the brakes again yeah the uh i rode i've got to ride mine I, i got pretty lucky mine was in fairly good condition but like the brakes don't work for shit like it's it's an old piece of shit but it's it actually was rideable but i couldn't believe 
one, how good it turns, and two, how fast the motor is. Like, we got uh, my favorite kind of just local track where you just pay and ride. There's like kind of like there's just this natural terrain sort of thing. And a friend of mine, uh, Mal, he's got a, uh, well, he sold it now, but he's got a KTM 250, a modern one. And my thing would pull from his modern ktm he's a bigger dude than me granted yeah. but yeah there's been times where we're going kind of up this uphill he's like fuck that thing is just legitimately fast and it does it's it's a good it's a really good two-stroke motor it actually has like a good transition off the bottom like it feels way more rideable than than some of the newer ones i reckon it's just it's got like a old school kind of characteristic to that motor but it sort of still holds up yeah no it's good i've done a day uh, um this guy Martin, a guy who does ride road racing here, that's quite popular. He's bought a track in England, and we um, we went up there the other week with Billy, um, or it was a couple of months ago now. But I was riding a two, the two fifty two stroke, and then I was pulling on his. I can't remember what bike he was on because he rides like so many different bikes. But I think it was a three fifty, um, and this my two stroke was pulling away up the hills. He's like, I can't get near you up the hills, and I'm like, What do you mean? He's like, The two stroke was pulling away, but it doesn't feel fast. It just feels like no. Nah. Just a real long power, but yeah, I was pulling away up the hills. It feels like uh, like fat, the power. It just yeah, feels no. like meaty and fat, and you've just got it. And yeah, I, I want to do... The build that I want to do on that bike is everyone kind of does the full restos on them, yeah. which is cool, but I kind of feel like... Because it'll be content that we'll do as well. Um, I kind of want to just go as ham as possible and make like uh you know in the car world where they do resto mods so they take like the old chassis but then they put new suspension new brakes aircon bluetooth speaker like they, yeah. they just make it like a new car but they keep the old chassis so i pretty much want to do that i reckon just do like brand new suspension brand new triple clamps like rubber mount like extra style yeah. ones i'm gonna put like the mx tech shock in it just full bre- like brembo brakes like just what are we gonna do to just make this thing yeah. as like as modern as you could possibly make it but keep the stock engine and all the stock chassis and just like go absolutely ham on everything else yeah you need well it's just trying to get them to fit i think that's what wob was doing before he tries to make everything so that you can fit that new stuff on because you need new brakes because even the brakes he's done on mine one time you you use it the next time fuck you it just don't work and i said to him yeah. what's going on here like i come down the hill at that track i was just talking about and then i just went to use the rear brake, and he's like oh it's just one of those things kid they just don't work all the time on that bike <laughs> i was like fucking hell i was like there was a lake at the bottom luckily the front brake worked where i would have been straight in there like if someone doesn't know really like not a good level on a bike. If the rear went, they would have just been in this lake. And he's like, yeah, that's just how it works. I'm like, fucking hell, well, try and fix that for me. <laughs> yeah, let's just not run yeah. that program. We're going, we're going a bit too fast here, Doc. Yeah, no, he was. But he um he put new seals or something. I can't remember what he said. It's like, yeah, we put a new seal kit in, so it shouldn't happen no more. Mate, I did, a, I did this two-stroke race. We sponsored like the two-stroke class at this event that we do every year. It's at the sickest track in Australia, I reckon. Well, one of them. It's like a really good sandy, low, like thick red sort of sand. And uh, 
I just didn't have any other bike to race. I was planning on having another two-stroke. Didn't happen. So I had to ride that 96. And like we, my mate was there, Franco, and he's like, do you want to do anything to this thing? And I was like, oh, fuck, I honestly don't care. And then he's like, let's at least put some brake fluid in it because these brakes don't work. And then we, we did the brake fluid. We pulled it out and it looked like Panham soup. <laughs> and I was just like, mate, this thing is fucked. Yeah, I wouldn't have wanted to race that. Nah, and what then my my seat, my seat ended up coming off, and that that bike like you're pretty much gripping with with the seat because there's just no like the chassis stops like halfway down your shins almost. Yeah, it's it's completely different. The body, the position you're in on the bike. That's why I was so surprised how it turned because um, your position, like on a 450, you sits you're you're so on top of the bike. Where on that bike, yeah. you're like in it, like. In it, sit, yeah. yeah, it sits way further back, and then, but that's what surprised me so much with the how it turned, because you're so you're in such a different style. And if you were sat like that on a 450, you wouldn't be able to turn the bike at all. So it's strange how, what how good it was considering where you're sat on a bike. Do you do you think that bikes are going in the right direction? Like you're a guy that's ridden at the top level for so long now. Do you think that the way that and actually. I think you're one of the guys that I enjoy watching on a 450. Like there's like a sound that certain dudes make when they're on a 450. Cody Cooper is another guy. Like you listen to him, like the way he rides a 450, the way he makes it sound is just so sick. And you've got that same kind of note when you ride. So, do you think that the bikes are getting better and like the position that everyone's like it's forcing people to ride in because yeah when you ride a bike like that it's so different like do you think we're do- we're going in the right way um ben obviously i was teammates with ben one year and jake nichols and they went they rode with cody and they always say how good he is at home like unbeatable on a bike bro yeah, he always says. I've I've never really rode with him. At a de- I think I've seen him at destinations and one one national he done. But um, they all say he's one of the riders that um, just unbelievable on a bike. But then sometimes the pressure gets at a big race, like in the world, or they he, says he, he would be like un- unbeatable. He, I think he's just one of those guys. Like you'd know those guys where they're just farm boys, you know. Like yeah, he's just, just at home, so relaxed, so cruisy. Doesn't want any of the because all right, Jeffrey Hurlings is just a fucking animal. That's just his deal. Yeah. And, you know, you see any of those guys at the top, you know, you spend any time with Ricky, fucking animal. Like, any time around him when he's, like, at the track doing motos, he's just a beast. <laughs> Jeremy Martin, beast. Cooper Webb, beast. Like, there's a certain dog in you that you've got to have to be somebody that can beat the world. And, you know, you get a guy like Cody, man. Like, yeah, I've seen... I've seen so many people ride and you just watch him and you hear him on a 450 and you're just like, fuck me, bro. Like you are just so out of control, but you know, just might not have like that dog to, you know, to, that it takes to win and not just on one day. Think about a a GP season, like every day, it's just the same grind. You've just got to be that fucking animal every day. Yeah, no, mate, it's, um, yeah, it's day in, day out. That is the difference between the GP. I think a lot of people can come and have the odd good race, but then when, you, um, when you've when you got to do it all season long and the, the effort it takes beforehand to then be in it all season, it's not just like get fast, go rip a whole shot and then hang in there. <clears throat> um, but nowadays, yeah, it's like you said, you've just got to be an animal all year. So, so yeah, I the guess bikes, to get... 
like you were yeah. saying, back to the bike. Yeah, so do you think... Um, I want to talk about that, actually, because you've raced some of the gnarliest motherfuckers. Um, so, yeah, are we going kind of in the right direction? Because it sort of seems like you don't... No one really gets a say in it, in a way. Like, you get the bike, and it's like, this is how it works. And, you know, you can see that the new Honda, which you're on, but, like, uh, Kenny has said that that thing just doesn't really work in the whoops. And then it's like you got Chase all last year was fighting that bike. So it's like, all right, where's the feedback coming from? Like, is it just, there's the bike, make it work. And if that's the case, are they getting better? Um, it's so It's hard to say, really, because when you think back, like, I don't think the bikes have improved that much, sort of, from when my first year, say 2006, and that Kawasaki, I think back and I thought, bike's pretty good, like, can't remember it ever being bad and then none of the bikes I've ever rode have ever been ever been bad I think I think everything has got a lot better so the standard bike's better and it seems that everyone um like in on the line I think now no one has a bad bike sort of thing where I think before having a factory bike was um a little bit more crucial or I don't know it may be like a factory bike now is more crucial it's it's difficult to say because there was times at the GP where people could get a good result on an on a semi factory bike or like a um, mm. a production bike. I remember when Paul Sale came over. Obviously, he's um, he's a different um, guy who's just unreal on a bike. But he came and he was like, "I just want a standard engine. I want standard suspension. I just want it like this, revalved." And and he would then still rip a hole shot somehow and win GPs. But I just don't think that's possible now. On um, mm on the standard bike maybe like the odd race you see the the guy get a good result on like a production based bike but i think it's it's so what i find from the factory bikes is that the difference is you can make mistakes and there you barely make a mistake like you can be in the wrong gear but every gear pulls like you should be second there but oh you forgot to change you've forgot to change down you've hit something you're in third but still pulls in third and i think that's why for one overall lap you can rip on rip on as like a standard bike but then when you want to do it every single lap of a, a 30 minute ro- motor or imagine the same sort of thing in in a supercross um being on that factory bike just your your race is so much easier like i remember when i was on a non-factory bike trying to race gps the last year and i'd hang into a race for like 15 minutes then they would edge away and then when i got the chance to ride uh, a factory kawasaki at the end of 2019 um or 18 i can't remember 19 i think the difference was you'd you'd just ride around the track behind people and you'd just be like, fucking hell, this is easy. Like, how have I not done this all year? But for some reason, the bike um, just allowed you to do that. Like, you didn't have to try half as hard. You just, everything, the bike drove that much better. So when you'd normally land and land with a bit of a bang, lose that momentum, mm. the, the factory bike pushed you forward, um, always, always driving forward. And then that over a race distance uh, saved you so much time and kept you in the fight. But going back to it, the bikes have moved forward. It's hard to say or move forward in the right way. I think, fuck, I really don't know, to be honest. Like, I just get what I'm, I rode. Like, I yeah. like the Honda now at this moment in time. I've got the suspension really good because it's a company by me, um, K-Tech, that do it all. K-Tech? Yeah, yeah. really. Um, they do. They have a big, I think, presence now pushing in Australia as well. But yeah. a really good company. Um We've just worked locally and, and not even done much because it's five minutes up the road, but barely done anything really, but just fine-tuned what they've got um, and the good people there. So, But in general, the bike's good. Like, There's not really much I want more from my bike, especially at 
because I one because I know I'm racing in the UK and no one's on factory bikes, so it makes a difference. Like Australia, no one I don't think's on factory bikes. Are they really? Not really. No. Like it's pretty much like as good as you can make a production yeah. bike by buying like kit suspension. And I think I think the guys get factory tires, yeah, um, or like a version of factory tires, but. Yes, exactly the same as UK. I mean, we don't get factory tyres, but honestly, I'm, I'm not really fussed. Like, I've never moaned about a tyre in my life, and I don't really think a factory tyre makes too much difference. But the difference at that that top level, I really don't know. I think it's fine-tuning it, and as you get a little bit older, someone like Ken, he knows what he likes. Um, I actually spoke with him a little bit last year, and, and he mentioned he was struggling with some things. But I think you just get older, and you, you've had crashes, and you only push when you're more comfortable. You know, he's yeah. not willing to push when he's not comfortable. And that's sort of how I feel. There were some races last year where I was like, I'm not comfortable, so I can't push. And I think that's the position he's in rather than it being like, the bike's obviously not bad. He's on a factory bike, like the bike's good. Um, but if he's not comfortable, he's not willing to push. Where you get someone that's a little bit younger and they don't know what they like or don't like. They're like, yeah, factory yeah. Honda, like I'm ripping this thing. Like, is it good? And you just, you come in first test and you're like, fucking bike's unreal. Um, but when you get a little bit older, you realize what you like and then you, you don't like to push unless you're 100% comfortable. And I think that's what you see in an older rider, um, or a more experienced rider like Ken who's had crashes. Um, but I don't know about the bikes in general. I really, it's hard to say, isn't it? Like you see them and everyone's ripping. I think one thing is that they, they do everything so good. And I think that's why people crash sometimes out the blue is because you expect the bike to do Mm. you expect it to do everything like and then when it kicks you out the blue you go fucking hell the thing nearly kicked me over the handlebars whereas before no one would be seat bouncing that jump in the first place like everyone would be stood up and um they'd set up for it and they'd be in the right gear where now they're like oh i, I seat bounce that in first so you're like well all right then i seat bounce that in second it just wouldn't happen for you. you'd come out the corner you'd select your gear you'd make sure there was no bump or kicker in your line you'd stand up and you'd hit the jump where now i think people um it catches people off guard and when the bike kicks them they're like fucking things kicking me all over the place like but you're sat down you're hitting a jump um yeah but you're you just expect it to do whatever you want it to do where um whereas beforehand you expect that kick like if you're hitting a kicker you're ready for it to kick you're stood up and you expect it where now people expect nothing like you expect to even me you, this, if there's bumps coming into a corner like you just fucking stand up and you just hit them you're like if it kicks you you're like fucking bikes kicking me over these bumps like <laughs> you're just like do something with this fucking thing like it's just kicked me coming into a corner where before it's um it's expected you know like oh the bike feels good into that corner it's barely even kicking me where now like the bike goes sideways you want to fucking throw it through the awning when you get to the back to the truck you're like fucking thing nearly had me off and i think that's the difference oh. now Dude, you're so right. The the first day, my last like injury, I broke my fucking hip. I was jumping the tiniest double on this track on a slow lap, just completely faffing. And I was running this bike in and I've just seat bounced it. It's kicked the tiniest bit sideways, but I was like, fuck it. It doesn't <laughs> yeah, matter. Fuck. You can land sideways on these things. Yeah. Brand, brand new bike was stiff as a fucking board. And the thing has just taken me for an absolute ride. And then I just got unlucky with the fence that was there. So then I've had to turn away from the fence and gas the fucking thing to get away from this fence. And then it's stepped out on me and then I've hit a lip and I've just 
this tiny little crash turned into a huge yard sale that broke my hip. But it was exactly what you said because I was just like, sideways, this doesn't matter. I fucking land sideways off every single jump yeah. and the bike's always fine. Yeah, I think that's the, that's the problem with us as riders. We expect, um, we expect it to just do anything we want. Like, There's never a time where you're like, I can't hit that. Like, I can't yeah. do that. I can't seat bounce that. You can do people, the pro riders now are fucking out. They seat bounce every jump um, out on the track. So it's one of those, um, yeah, I don't know. I think almost the bikes are too good. And then when they're, you, that's why people crash now because you're just expected to do everything. Like you hit, and yeah. you hit everything so fast. You don't slow down. The, the bumps don't slow you down anymore. Like they, yeah. um, lap times don't even change through the bumps. Man, the, the crazy thing is though, so I got a set of good suspension. I did this, this last year was like the first year that I ever had like a really good bike in my whole life riding. And I've had the old like suspension revalve and shit before, but I've never had like kit stuff. And, um, man, my lap times, honestly, four seconds. It yeah. made that big of a difference because I'm not that good of a rider. And the reason I'm not that good of a rider is because I'm scared of my bike doing something that I don't expect it to do. And I'm just not, I'm just not down to be a fucking hero. And so it's like, I, I got good technique. I can, I know how to ride a bike. All the, all the fundamentals are there. But if I'm like even the tiniest bit scared of my bike doing some weird shit that I'm not fucking ready for, then I'm just not going to send it. Mm -hmm. And so I got this stuff um, from MX tech in the U S put it in my one, two, five. I got the, those PHDS clamps, like the rubber mounts, you pretty much run those with the extra. I think, yeah. Yeah. And then I got the WP factory edition clamps, mate. I could just feel my bike. I could feel the front end. I could feel like on my 350 stock, there's crashes. I've had that many crashes last year where the front just went and I'm like, the fuck did you do that for? Like, why, man? And then you get up and you want to kill, like exactly what you mm. said. I just like want to fucking ghost ride the thing into the fence. And then I got onto this bike and like you, you land on something sort of turning in, there's bumps there, but you've, you've actually got flex to the point where an, a rider like me can feel it. And then it goes a little bit and then you can catch it. So it gives you like some, it gives you like a, a, an orange light instead of just red light on your face you fucking you, you're done and i honestly can't believe the difference that it made and i want to say to just any rider like go find a company like k-tech go find a company like mx tech in the state go get spend the money on some good shit that you can keep in a bike for a few years because like the difference that it made to like just my confidence level I, I rode the the last time i rode at home before i went away was on the 125 at my mate's grass track and it's just like you know how, how the grass track gets yeah. kind of like that clumpy rough everywhere like unpredictable sort of shit and i've never felt better on a bike in my life and i was turned like accelerating at the start of turns like i'm normally just waiting to get through it safe before i fucking get on the gas so i just think that there's such like a fallacy out there where it's like if you're slow you don't need good suspension but i'm in my opinion after having that bike it's like mate spend everything that you can to get your bike feeling as safe as a house because it, it makes the biggest difference, dude. It does. Um, some days I have riders come to my schools and I'm trying to teach them to go like, I'm trying to teach them everything to go around a turn. So I'm like, you stand here, you sit here, like you got your body position here. 
And then I'm just in my head thinking, fuck, you've got no chance of getting around that corner, like, with, with your bike. Like, you've, you've, just got, you've just got no chance. And they come in and the front pushes and I'm just like, they're like, I just can't get around it. And I'm like, no, nah, you're not going to be able to get around it. Like, your bars are here. Like, for one, they're, they're so tall. Like, your seat's here. Your, but that, that feeling that you've said, like, as a intermediate rider, say, it gives you that, so, that comfort and that confidence and it's huge, and that's what I was talking about earlier. But if if the rider hasn't got that, and it can come and go quite quickly, do you know? But you're just having your suspension done, and even in a bike that's that's good, like like mine, everything's in the suspension. Like I don't have factory suspension in my bike. I don't even have a kit. It's all um, standard suspension that's been revalved by Ktech. So they've put like um, they've put a different spring on for my weight. Uh, they've 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 done the internals, but it's all it's all stuff that you can. Um, you can buy it's not expensive so it's everything in a standard bike now is um it's all in there to make it ready for you do you know i don't know whether you've got you said you've got some kit stuff whether it's a whole different suspension but the kit don't it doesn't make a huge difference everything's in the suspension from stock to make it good and even if it's on like a ktm i know ktech do like an air to spring conversion kit that's um unbelievable the people that have rode that so and that's not expensive so everything's in a bike now to make it good but just a few clicks and a few set up um, from someone that knows what they're doing makes the world of difference, like the world of difference on a bike because you can go from wanting to chuck your bike down the track to, um, like you said, going, fucking hell, I've not crashed, like I'm not tucking the front. Then all of a sudden you have a comp- bit of confidence. So it makes, um, really does make the biggest difference on a bike because the engine, um, yeah, it doesn't make so much difference as such. The engine's good from standard, but little things on a bike that I try and tell I try and tell people like the feeling of a throttle. Like if your throttle's stiff and on an old bike that someone buys, fuck the difference that that makes on someone's bike and and how they feel is is unbelievable. It changes the whole bike. Um, so it's little things and getting comfortable, uh, little things and getting comfortable um, that make the world of difference to someone um, to someone going out and riding on the weekend. Like you, exactly what you said. Like four seconds, but you're four seconds faster. And you're so much more comfortable doing it, and yeah. you're so much um, you're having so much more fun at the same time. Yeah, and the the problem is, and I mean, I don't know whether it's the same in the UK, but in Australia, it's like people are hanging shit on you if like like pe- well, the boys do hang shit on me because I'm just fucking with my bike all the time, and it is it is a bit of a joke at this point. But uh, <laughs> but like I remember growing up, my dad would be like, just fucking ride it, you know, you're not fast enough to get this, and you're not fast enough to get that but like fucking i just it's almost like they're trying to change the stigma around it you know because it, yeah, but it there feels is a like limit like you can't someone that goes to every track and they've got true. their fucking suspension out i just think what are you doing mate you haven't got a clue like what you're doing like you're just going around yeah. and around in circles so there's a like i don't make many changes on a bike like once i've got my bike i'm like that's good yeah. I, it's one click on this track um like i'll drop my forks through if it's sandy but there's other guys that you just think you're mad, mate. Like you're mad. <laughs> you're going around in circles here. But as a kid, I never had, um, my dad didn't know anything about bikes. He didn't come from bike background. So we, um, he tried to do it, but we had no idea. And pro- pretty much throughout my whole schoolboy career, probably had the worst bike. But then when I got onto a, um, when I went pro and I got on a team, I made like a huge step because all of a sudden I got on a bike that, um, mm. but I've just got fussier and fussier and fussier over the years because when I first got on that pro bike, I was like, bikes, don't touch it it's mint and now it's like you sort of know what you want like i was talking about earlier like you get a little bit older 
you've not you're not as wild anymore you want everything right and then when it's right then you can go that speed but until then you're like well i'm going fast but if i'm not comfortable to go any faster sort of thing yeah that makes sense well i think that yeah you definitely shouldn't be as the average dude fucking with your bike for like the track but you need to have your bike to where you feel comfortable on it you know and i it's it's such a hard one though because i've 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 thought about it like even with um i got the ktm 350 that's like my daily driver and i you you just don't know what's good until you're almost like you've almost got to ride other people's bikes that are good to kind of know yeah um like i rode all last season with a clutch that was fucked so i was having my problems in turns because my clutch wasn't working properly but i didn't know like people don't know It's, it's like if we went to a different sport or for me, if I went to road racing, for instance, I've done it um, a couple mm. of times, but I don't know what's good, what's bad. Like, I just ride a bike that's been given to me. Like, you ride that one yep. today. I'm like, yeah, jump on a track bike. Like, I haven't even thought about setting my lever or my handlebars in what position because I don't know. And um, yeah. a lot of the people that are coming to the sport are new or ride once every year, like, you just generally don't know what's good and what's not good and... um or what good what feels good for them that's why sometimes when people come on one of my um little days i'm like just pull your handlebars back or they've got like these yeah. handlebars where i've never seen before i'm like where have you got these from like fuck just <laughs> go buy a set or like i was like just put a set of normal bars on and then, honestly and he'll be like well why what would that do and i'm like it just you'll just feel it mate just <laughs> pull them back a bit it don't matter what it do it'll just be better but it's um it's one of those things people don't know what's good and what's what's bad the same as i went to a different sport i wouldn't know um if i was yeah. driving a car or, or i wouldn't have a fucking clue what where i should have my steering wheel or if i should have it high or low or if i'm on a road bike where my body position should it's just one of those things you have to learn and the more you ride and i guess not study it but in motocross you take a bit of notice and um acknowledge a bit with how it should be done it'll make your life uh it make your life a lot easier. But then at the same time, people are like, I just want to go to the track, ride every couple of weeks, enjoy it. So it's um, it's one of those where you don't want to get too wrapped up where you're changing your bike yeah. for a track. But if you're comfortable, you're you're going to enjoy it more. But yeah, it's like, um, it's one of those things. If you don't know, you don't know. Like, yeah. Yeah, it, it is hard. But like, uh, yeah, even things like my brother's got a 350 that's got the mapping done. And then as soon as I rode that bike, I was like, dude, this thing, the throttle feels like it's connect, like the rear wheel feels like it's connected to my hand. And it's like, whatever my, my, my throttle does, my rear wheel does. And then I went back on my bike and it's like, blah, 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 blah. It's like, fuck, it feels like, it feels like, and it's, it's tiny. It's a tiny, tiny difference in terms of like, you know, if you just sat there and kind of did that, then you'd sort of be like what are you fucking talking about but on track it, it can make like a massive difference but again like I, w- I just wouldn't i wouldn't know that until i went on someone else's bike so it's, it's a fucking hard one i don't know like i'd love to be able to tell the average guy like what they should do to like make it better i guess if you've got a mate that's got a sick bike and rides good and you know his shit looks pretty good try and ride it to figure out what yours is is doing but e- yeah it's, even that's hard to do yeah but then at the same time i got on I rode like a brand new 2022 Honda 250 and I just ripped it all day. Like it's, it's good. It's good. But at the same time, like the bars are in the right position. The suspension, yeah. like if you get a bike out of showroom, it's pretty much, it's good. 
Like yeah. some people can then mess about with it, but it's always best. The bike's just good out of the showroom. Like rarely have I jumped on one where I'm like, fuck, I can't ride this. Like, they're yeah, they're so just true. good nowadays. Um, so it's, um, it's, it's just that fine line, isn't it? Like don't do too much, but um, yeah, I don't know. Like same with when I went to the, um, a couple of years ago when the new 450 came out. I went to Italy to Mantova, rode it, and I just ripped it all day. It was like the best day. Didn't change a thing. Yeah. So when you did the track day on the road bike, how was that experience? Because I've just started doing a bit of road riding. I actually want to get a. I'll, I'm probably going to buy a, a V2 Panigale this year because I had so much fun, dude. Um, it was right. It was a right. Uh, Leon Haslam or Ron Haslam. We had like a school. So, so the guys that know road racing know Leon and Ron. So they had a Honda school in the UK. Um, so I just went with those guys. Um, and just rode. It was like I got three sessions. I think a lap time that the fast boys do are like one thirty five, maybe one thirty six, and like a standard, um, a standard uh, thousand. But I was actually on a six hundred. But I started yeah. off the day like two oh eight or something so that's like first session i'm like fucking hell i don't want to go much faster than this like because i don't know nothing like i feel like i'm coming down the straight absolutely Wished. wound on and i'm like <laughs> i'm flat out and then someone comes past me like whoa and i'm just like how are you getting that speed mate like i'm pinned here and then um i spoke to leon and i'm like i'm flat out how do you go down that straight he's like i'm in first there and i'm like oh, i'm in third and I'm just like, yeah. because I didn't even want to go to first because he's just like, what? And um, the same coming into a corner, I'm coming into the next corner and I'm like, I'll go around that corner in third there. He's like, I'm in first again. And I'm like, yeah, I feel like I'm running on. And I'm like, well, obviously, if I think about motocross, if I come into a corner in like third gear, I'm just going to run like way past the turn because I'm in the wrong gear. The same as if I'm coming out a corner, I'm literally coming out every corner like, <laughs> up the straights, but... I just wasn't comfortable. The bikes are so fast just with the speeds um, and body position. Like I wasn't, I didn't feel comfortable to lean it over. Once you get your knee down, which I did at the end of the day, then you've, you found that limit of the bike. Not that I was doing it in any sort of good way at all. Like I'm still completely wrong position, but at least when I had my knee down, I felt, um, I think you feel that comfortable because you're like, right, I'm in that position. I know I've been here before. Like that lean angle's Okay. Um, yeah, but it was a good day. Like I really enjoyed it. It wasn't. I'm not sure. Like I'm ready to get a track day bike. I know a couple of. Um, I train with Alex and Sam Lowe's a lot, so they come and ride motocross. So I'm around that. Um, I'm around it a lot, but I'm not at a point where I'm like ready to. Tra- I think it's so expensive as well to get a track day bike. I like. I don't want to fucking go spend on tires this day. And um, track days are expensive, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. What did you What did you get down to? Like, did you end up progressing um, through? The yeah, day? I went to like I started off like two eight, which is really fucking slow. Um, and then <laughs> the second session I was like two oh three, and then third session I think it's one fifty six. So I went. I was knocking like I don't know. I don't know how much faster I would have gone. I don't know whether I'd have knocked that same off next time. But then that was it. Day done. Um, yeah. But that's still well. That's twenty five twenty more than 20 seconds off but I was, was like pushing at that like I'm on my limit because I'm like I don't want to come into this corner no faster because I'm like I said before I'm doing everything wrong like body position's yeah. wrong um, I don't know if the bike obviously the tyres aren't good but someone in road race could have jumped on that exact same bike and um, probably gone within four seconds of like a good time on a good, on a good bike do you know so it's not um, it wasn't a bike at all but it's me my body position things like that it's um, it's one of those things that 
yeah, I really need, like anything, if you don't know, you don't know. Like I didn't, I've never been yeah. taught. So it's one of those things that I say in motocross, like if you're a novice, get a lesson because it makes a world of difference. Same in that. If on the day they taught you little bits, but they didn't actually um, coach you. Yeah, yeah. So it's one of what, those. What was your... What was your, do you know like your top speed that you got at down the straight? No, they taped it up. It was one of those, like they tape it up so you can't even look. Otherwise you have knobheads like me fucking looking up at the screen, seeing how fast you're going and you'll be in the tight, in the fucking, in the gravel. Yeah, it's pretty, it definitely like, I went into it thinking I, I wouldn't enjoy like the speed element of it. Cause I'm just, I just don't really feel like that guy. But I've, I found myself just really enjoying it. Like probably, probably a little too much. Like I run off one time, like when I, I run off at turn one, like after the straight, cause I was looking at the fucking speedo, like yeah. trying, to, <laughs> trying to get, trying to get a speed run. But, uh, uh, and I was like looking at the, you had to break at the hundred and then I, I looked down and then I looked up and I went past the hundred and then I thought the 50 was the hundred and like 50 meters is a fucking big difference yeah. <laughs> in a breaking zone. And I went off like full massive runoff off turn one, like they full yellow flags and everything for me. But, uh, but yeah, man, I found it so, so fun. Like, and the, yeah, it's just so different. eh? like the, the, the guys like, you know, a lot of the Aussie guys, that like Casey, Jack Miller, McDoon, they all come from dirt track. Yeah. So, you know, like you've got this, this like kind of big dirt track scene in Australia. Yeah, that's big. It's not boys, as big anywhere else, is it really? I don't think. Nah. Nah, and it kind of like le- lends itself to, to that style. But yeah, it's just one of those things like, I think it, it, it comes from content too, like because we did a thing with Ducati, so I would have never been able to do no. it if it wasn't through that. But it almost felt like a fucking dream that I never knew I had, you know, like because it's such a crazy, crazy feeling. Whoa, sweet man cave. Thanks. Serious upgrade. How'd you pay for all this? I got a home equity line of credit from Figure. I was approved in five minutes and had funding in five days. Wow, that fast and easy? Yep, the application is 100% online, plus no out-of-pocket costs, just fast access to the cash you need. How do I get started? Go to figure.com and get that serious upgrade. Figure Lending LLC, DBA Figure, Equal Opportunity Lender, NMLS 1717824. Terms and conditions apply. Visit figure.com for more information. For licensing information, go to www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. You know, it was, I actually, when I was young, because I was quite good at racing, uh, at Maricross, a uh, guy that was into road race, he paid for me to go on like a, a tryout um, at a local track here. So it was one of those things. If I'd have enjoyed that, I'd have probably gone road racing. But as you're a kid, and my dad wasn't into either motocross or um, road race, so I stayed doing motocross. But I think if I, well, not like in hindsight, if, if I'd enjoyed it then, I would have gone road race direction, but I stayed, um, I stayed motocross. But when I was 13, I think I did do a day um, that was paid for by a guy in road race and was like, oh, you should try this to sort of see if you want to go that direction. Um, but no, it's just a different sport, different world. So the that's a good segue then into your start into racing because I've heard some funny stories of like just how little of a clue that your old boy had. Mm. And I mean, it's such a difference. Like I grew up with, there was always a bike in the shed. So, some of my earliest memories are of, bikes and my dad on bikes and all that sort of stuff so like how did you get into racing and I mean it's obviously like a big part of your story in general I guess is uh you know just 
growing up with a dad that knew fuck all <laughs> essentially about bikes and then you end up being the be- one of the best dudes in the world one of the best all-time british motorcycle riders it's uh it's a pretty pretty wild beginning yeah no it was, it's different um it was just my dad done a little bit of go-karting um and then just he ne- who knew nothing about like didn't even know it was a sport sort of thing so then um he just got two cheap bikes i'm not sure where they come from but i have an older brother billy as well so he's He's four years older than me, so we both got bikes. I'm not sure if it was Christmas or around Christmas time. Had a little bit of land. Um, not even, like, not proper motocross bikes. Like, I had a, um, I think it was like a Malaguti. So, well, yeah, I guess it was a proper motocross bike, but like a 50 Malaguti. I'm not sure what my brother had. I think it was the bigger 50 Malaguti. Um, he was, uh, he would have been nine, and I was five. Um, or, yeah, nine and five, so... We just rode around the garden. We had a little bit of land, like not a huge garden, but um, we rode around doing figure of eights till we crashed into each other. And then we realized like, fuck, figure of eights, not the one for motocross. Um, and then we just went through. We just raced as kids, um, local races. We thought, all right, we, we loaded up, loaded up in this van. He was a builder, um, still is a builder. So we just chucked the bikes in the back of the um, in like a little sprinter thing. Uh, went to the track and then we raced like I just used to race 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 once we got the bug uh, we just went as a family um every weekend we'd sort of find somewhere to race locally um and which that sort of side of it's gone now people don't race as much they sort of practice but we just raced um right in the garden and then yeah just become quite good uh quite quick but we still had no idea like I had no idea I never watched races on tv my dad had never been to an actual like professional race um and it i'd never been to a world championship before i raced a world championship um where the only race we'd ever gone to was um zolder mx of nations um that i spoke about earlier but until then the first world championship race i went to i raced um so it was one of those it real it happened really quick it never was one of the things like my dad never my dad never said to me like you can do this like professionally um or we never knew it was a, a thing to do as a profession but we just went through the youth ranks um yeah my bikes were never the best because he wasn't really into bikes he was a builder we'd be building all week and then he just would chuck the bike in the van and off we go sometimes like i remember that we had this auto that was fucked like this thing was just no one had ever seen it we got it from a local bloke down the road like it was this 50 cc <laughs> but it was like a rocket ship a sort of and then we turned up to this 50cc national which is like the biggest kids race in the uk at the time um and everyone was like laughing at this bike that we had because no one had one like it was just this thing um it was called a riviera riviera like no one had them and then i just smoked everyone like out the blue just coming and everyone else was like looking at it and had it stripped and stuff in the evening to see like why this fucking thing was a rocket ship um but it would just fall to pieces i remember coming up one race and the, the the whole like headset just come loose like i'd get a tank zapper i used to end up in the ambulance and then dad would never tighten up the headset on it like someone would go like oh he hasn't got the headset bolt in and dad would be like no he don't that's not going to come off like he's got the clamps like you don't need the top <laughs> headset bolt um there were times when i was on a start line at the schoolboy nationals and this was when i was on a 125 already and he's pumping my tire up on the start line like i've got a slow flat and He's there with a foot pump, like 15 boards up. He's still pumping it up. 
five board goes up like he pops the thing off he, and he runs out the way and he's like oh, it's been it's been a slow flat for a couple of months like it's still good it's still fine like you just pump it up before the race um so i think that's when i went to um adults and i got on a pro team um i had such a big jump because i used to win everything still as a kid but it was close like i had good races with people um, and then when I got in a professional sort of the kids that I was racing, I sort of made that step up, whereas they didn't make that step up. Um, and then we had a bit of guidance because dad, obviously we win everywhere as a kid. We still went to places. He drove me everywhere. He still spent like money on the sport because obviously you can't, it wasn't that he didn't, yeah, you can't um, get out of it nah, he didn't like, um, it wasn't that we had no money. Like dad had a good, a good business, worked hard. Like we had money to spend on bikes, but we just didn't know what we were spending it on. And he would just buy yeah. anything like, that oh that's faster for the bike like we'll stick that on and it just blow up and then he'd get an engine tuned by someone and then forget to fit, forget to put the air filter in it would just fucking blow it the smithereens <laughs> in practice like there's so many stories yeah he was good um but no he wouldn't care like he, engine would be tuned no air filter in and i i remember one race <laughs> i've gone round and i've he's pulled me in in practice like i pulled in in qualifying like you do and he's like how's the bike i'm like Oh, bike's good and then it's I was like loud though and he's like yeah he's like nah it's good it's good then I go up the the next hill like cut the laps there and it just blows up he's like fucking bike I've just had this thing tuned and then he goes back to the pits takes the seat off there's no filter in like it's just full of sand um, but there's countless stories like that but I think um, it made me like the rider I was because I was never um, was never I never beat everyone by a long way as a kid we always raced till the end like um I won the championships, but it was always close. And then when I went to the pros, like I said before, it made quite a big step quite quick um, and then had a bit more guidance in what we should be doing. Um, and then I progressed quite quickly um, in the world championship. Like we went from we went from one year racing kids stuff um, to then the next year I was already in racing the world championship round. It was mad really how quickly um, how quickly time went. Yeah, there must have been uh, there must have been some like crazy benefits to growing up like that because you know you see so many kids that the fun's gone because they've just got this dickhead dad that is doing it more for themselves than for the kid and it just sort of like ruins all the fun yeah. and you know but then on the other side there was probably it probably was a detriment in other sort of areas you know but like you said it ends up making you who you are but i mean yeah was there like positives that um, were yeah it was massive all positive like um yeah we, i would never have changed a thing like it was all positive we he never once said one thing that i had a bad race like he um i'd never can't remember one time ever shouting at me or raising his voice about um our result like i used to just pin it every race i used to wait until he got back from work because we had a little bit of land in the garden and um my mum wouldn't let me ride the bike till dad was home um so yeah. i'd sit there in my gear i'd get back from school i'd be sat in my gear waiting as soon as he drove up the drive i'd be like fire the bike up and i'd be straight up the track and he'd get out his car and come and watch him in the garden so um there was no um yeah there was no like yeah my bike wasn't the best but fuck there was nothing no negatives really like i remember one british championship the last one where i got a bit older we was on 85s i actually my bike was like breaking that much that my friend lent me his bike he's he gave me his son's bike and he was like, you're not going to win it. Like if you race your bike, like it's fucked mate. Like, so he gave me his bike <laughs> and then 
I raced his bike. His name was Tom Matthews, Dave Matthews. They give me his bike to then finish the British Championship, and then I won all race, won all the races on his bike, um, and then won the British Championship. But um, yeah, just one of those things that were just different, different to different to how other people done it. But I think in the long run, it made um, made me a good rider, and then I was sort of so um, yeah, I made like a huge jump when I went to. Uh, went to the professional ranks and had like a bit of a team behind me, a bit more guidance. So nothing but yeah, all good stuff really. Man, that sounds like the dream almost eh? like that. You would have seen it. Like I'm sure you would have seen kids that their dads oh. were just absolute fuckwits. And like, you've just got your old boys just sort of just doing it just for purely for fun, which is so rare, man. Yeah, no, I see it. You still, it's every day now. Um, it's just constant, the dads, uh, but you're never going to change that. Like the unit, it's just one of those things that you can't change people. Even some of the dads are like, they know how they are, but they, they just can't change it, you know? But no, I was fortunate that was never the case with what I do. And um, yeah, just lucky in that, lucky in that case, really. So do you, have you ever thought much about the level of talent that you've got? Because like I was saying before with like, you know, we we're talking about riding a 450 and Cody and like, you're just one of those, like, I feel like you're the European Hanson in terms of just like pure natural talent. It's not to say you don't work hard. It's not to say that you haven't trained. It's none of that. But just in terms of like for you to have a dad that was like basically motorcycle retarded and then <laughs> to be able to win like everything that you want and have the career that, that you had, like that is called natural talent so i'm just guessing that you got on a bike and were just fucking good at it have you ever wondered like what that is why that is where that comes from because i mean even i talk about all the time my brother fucking rips like he had a pro number race nationals like he was so good and we had the exact same upbringing like he's just naturally sick at riding a bike so and you're on like another level even higher than that so it's like i don't know have you thought about it what it is where it comes from why um, not really thought about it but it's it's different because when i was a kid i never um like i never had the best style as such like it's a little bit how i am now but i just was never nothing was like tidy i just used to be quite fast like my elbows would be down i was i was um and even when I went to the first year of GPs, like I was just fast. Like I wasn't, um, you wouldn't have seen videos, say you watch from 2007, that I was a kid that's just pottering around in the right gears, like doing everything right. I was just, um, I would just put 100% in like, especially when I went to that pro, um, like made the step into GPs. It was, um, I was riding actually and uh, training with Jamie Dobb. He was my manager at the time. Um, yeah. And his whole thing was like just one hundred percent. Like whatever you do, you do it one hundred percent. So um, I would the fitness and stuff would never question it. Like I'd just the gate would drop, and I would just one hundred percent. Like n- there was no question that I was ever going to get tired. I was ever going to be worried about what I did on the bike. Like I, he never even said anything about technique. He's like, don't worry, just fucking really. Yeah, he's just just go fast. And then it's sort of as I um. So my style then wasn't really as it was now. Now I'm a little bit almost sometimes I think you need to be a lot more loose on a bike. You, you notice the guys that win um, like Carmichael, they were never worried about style. That it was just speed. And I think now with the four strokes that has changed a little bit um, and you have to be a little bit more precise with what you do and how you ride the 450 especially. So it's something I've worked on a little bit, but I think um, 
I was just naturally quite fast and like didn't really care what happened in the race. And I think that's why it took me quite a long way. Um, took me far, just just naturally quite a fast rider as such. Um, more than like, yeah. If you if someone watches the videos from two thousand seven eight, they're just like, fuck, I'm sort of hammering down everywhere. Like there was no um, elbows are down, feet are off, and I was just having to go. But for some reason, it's just it's just changed as I've gone through my career. Now I'm quite. If I watch a video um, training, yeah, really smooth, really precise. But even when I raced GPs, it wasn't. Um, it's quite hard to be at GPs because fuck, you're such in the battle on a four fifty nine. You just get in. Mm. Um, you get a bad start. If you get a good start, yeah, you can rip round. You, you're nice. You can do as you want. But if you get a bad start, you don't even have time to think. Like you're just getting fucking rocks thrown at you. You you make one mistake. Someone's up the inside. You go wide. Someone's up the inside. Then someone makes a mistake. You pass them. It's hard. It's hard to think. But it's um, it's one of them. I I obviously had talent because when I when I went to my first race, like we done good, and then straight away I was like winning races. So some people have that and others can ride their whole like you said like yourself you've rode um for years and you've never had that speed um like your brother had so it's it's but it's hard to it's hard to pinpoint like you says you Mm. he's had the exact same upbringing as you and i had an old brother as well he started a little bit later i was obviously five when i started he was he was nine so he never had that um he didn't start from a kid but he he never never raced as um a professional he stopped before professional because he started working so um just different it's, it's hard to pinpoint one thing and say like it's all talent or it's it's not work because um it's hard where they cross over do you know like the talent mm. and the hard work luck situation i've heard so many things where where people say i don't believe in talent and then other people were like oh fuck he's talented like everyone has a different opinion it's it's one of those um it's hard to know really there's obviously something about it because i find it quite easy do you know when i'm having a good day like it's quite easy Mm. and i think like other people can't be finding it this fucking easy today because um or they'd be racing with me sort of thing so it's another thing that when everything's good i do find it quite easy to ride a bike but um but then you'd expect so after riding a bike for for 25 years you know it's um difficult uh difficult thing to, to pinpoint i think that goes against what I would have thought because like, yeah, I've never seen those videos of you looking fucking loose and just full send mode. I've only ever seen just like the smoothest, most technical, like clinical guy when you, when you race. And so if you like, didn't even really know that pro racing was a thing and you were just a kid that was just racing all the time, does, were you just like gnarly, gnarly competitive as a kid? And you just wanted to win because it's hard, like, or it would seem hard if you don't have the goal of racing pro from a young age to just like want to win that bad and to want to give it a hundred percent. Like psychologically, where did that even come from? Um, I don't know really either. When you, when you say I've never thought about it that way, but I remember just being in tears. Like if I got second place, like there was tears every single weekend. Um, if I won, I was happy if I didn't win and it was just, and that was always the way um even when i went even into professional um, and without I a never, pushing you yeah without he he didn't care if i got second um he didn't care if i won it literally made no difference to him um he wouldn't have cared even when i went to gps um he never i never i never remember him um saying one thing um so it never come from my my dad it was just um yeah just me i guess i i just 
yeah, I was upset if I didn't win. So I guess that that in me drove me um, to be to get to the top. It, it can be the only way. But there was a time where my dad would say, like, fuck, you could be on, like, you could ride a factory KTM next year because people, there was, like, my manager saying, like, he might be on factory KTM. I was like, don't say that. Like, you're just being stupid. Like, I'm not going to ride there. Like, that won't happen. Um, and then even the year before that, because my dad never knew nothing. Like, he didn't even know riders. He, you can talk to him now and he won't... Um, he sort of knows a rider, but he'll get it wrong. Like he thinks he's talking about <laughs> one rider, but he's talking about something completely opposite. Jeffrey Caroli. Yeah, he'll say stuff like that. Like, oh, he <laughs> won at the weekend. You're like, no, he didn't. You're like, yeah, I watched it. You like, you watched the wrong race. He's like, oh, did I? <laughs> oh, yeah. All right. Like, um, so he sort of knows what's going on now because he's been around it so long. But, um, but never, never, um, yeah, was he like there saying, yeah, we need to win this or you need to do this to get that ride, like when he he would talk about it because he started to understand it more like that it was a job and you could ride factory KTM um, I would always be like don't fucking say that that's just stupid like don't mention it um, and then it just happened uh, so it it was just it's just weird how it happened really everything just seemed to to happen so quick for me one minute I was riding um, I was like I remember even riding in a pit bike around Erne Designations which was um in 2005 after I'd raced a couple yeah. of GPs just with mates like I was 15 years old tearing around pit bike as you do at a GP and then um, I raced 2006 motocross of nations in England so it was but there was never a thought that I would have been in the, the nations team so stuff like that it just happened so 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 quickly it's kind of a uh, like because i mean yeah this is all pretty new to me you know like i didn't know this level of detail about your career it's pretty dreamy to go through you know like to have the intro that you had with no pressure and you weren't frothing on watching dvds it was kind of just all about like the bike and then you just wanted to win and then because you wanted to win so bad and you did win you just got the right opportunities and then you did the right things with the right opportunities it's sort of yeah it seems that- like the right way to have a career like if you could kind of plan it out you know yeah it's exactly that as you said like um i done well and then opportunities opened and then if if i think back like fuck it all went so um so perfect like i didn't know that i was even gonna achieve that like that was never even a, a dream like you say oh it was a dream but it was never even a dream like didn't even know this dream existed like when i talk to say yeah. um i think i never used to get magazines i never used to watch um dvds all i used to um we do we just used to race like my, like i said before we never um we never went to a race like because we'd just be like we was just a family like let's fucking race like it wasn't like oh let's go watch that gp um we didn't even know they was going on like we, we, but now obviously with social media the kids that are racing they um i guess you're seeing it you're seeing it every day they woke they they've got their phone they're looking at instagram they're watching um they're watching all these riders whereas me that um you didn't have that do you know what i mean there's a, so i think that you could you could not do that now because it's not um if you're into bikes you're already following all the professional races you're already watching it on tv where that wasn't it wasn't accessible before did you did you ever feel that you almost like didn't fit in in a what not didn't fit in but like you were different to other dudes that were just obsessed their whole life with like you know kind of taken over by that dream almost in a way because like i mean i've 
like we've spent a bunch of time around each other like as far as you as just being like a well-rounded dude like you can hang out with you as one of the boys uh, that like you take a dirt bike out of it you take all that away like you're just a fucking good lad to hang around whereas you know you got other guys that i think that they've spent their life so fucking deep in this like goal or whatever you call it where it's just like this all-encompassing thing and it sort of stops them even being like kind of a cool dude to to be around if that makes sense yeah i don't know if i was um <clears throat> i didn't ever feel out of place because i feel like more a lot of riders was that way back then it's it's different now like my um like i was saying before now if you're into bikes like you're into bikes you follow like professional riders from like at 10 years old as soon as you're um you're sort of clued up on what's going on in general in life like if you like bikes you've got a, you've probably got a phone and you're watching you're watching youtube stuff Whereas then it just wasn't. So unless you read the odd uh, magazine or, excuse me, um, you read, it was just not ex- as accessible for someone who wasn't, um, mm. like your dad had to be well into it if he was buying DVDs and he was buying magazines and the kid was reading it where we'd buy the, some papers in the end because we started getting like the local paper because I'd be in it and we'd want to read like the yeah, little yeah. write-up that says like fucking sell scores hat trick or something stupid like that in the magazine so that's when we started seeing it but we was just more into it as a family because we enjoyed generally going racing rather than the side of it that um we was thinking right you can be a professional because it was never um it was never thought about as a family so i think in that way it was just nice that we progressed real natural like it just happened um Mm. happened naturally and it happened quickly because um it's it's strange to think that I was racing a GP at 15 years old. I then got my first podium at 16, three podiums that year. I won my first GP at 17 and then got second in the world, 18, again, second in the world. And at the end of that year, I was then in America um, mm-hmm. alone because um, my family didn't then come to America. So I moved to America at 18 on my own um, and then rode for factory KTM. So the progression happened so, so quick Um and that you didn't even get to think about it. Like, it was just like, bam, 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 fucking hell. Like, I'm in America, then I race in America. Um, and then I was back in GPs. Like, it just, it went so fast. There was no time yeah. to even process what was what was going on. It was just um, just one of those things that, yeah, just, it was just happening. So if you if you look at the the early, those first few years in GPs, so you lose the title to Caroli arguably he's in like the goat conversation in Mm. Europe and then you lose to Rattray who then wins a bunch in the US so the dudes that you got second to are some of the best dudes like that have ever ridden what do you reckon if you have to be like critical on yourself now like what do you think is the reason that you got second well and then you got third to Roxon and Hurlings who okay like yeah, good. Riders. We know what they, they they can ride too. What was the thing that stopped you from winning? Do you think like were you just up against dudes that were just that tiniest bit better than you, or was there like something that you wish you did different? Was there like a mental thing? Was there like if you had to kind of think back on it? Um, to think back to say the first year when I got second to Groly, I was quite a way off at that year. I was um, I was I was still young, so I think I come into that year. At, either 16 or 17, but he was a lot better than me. Um, mm. In um, in hindsight, that year, you had Caroli that was battling with um, 
Tyler, who had already won GPs previous, and he then blew his knee out of the first couple of rounds. And then you had Christoph Porcel that was in the fight with... He'd won it the year previous in 2006, so him and... Him and um, Caroli and Rattray were the three title contenders, but then um, it was the year that Porcel then got paralysed in that crash, and then mm. Tyler blew his knee out. So, um, realistically, I was the fourth best guy that year, which is quite expected as it was my first year on a factory team. I was still really young. Those two got injured, which then put me to second in the cash, championship. <laughs> what was that? That check cashed. Yeah, no, the check cash deal. Um, <laughs> so it was one of those um, that so Caroli was quite a, a lot better that year. Like I was never going to win a title, but then um, in two thousand eight was completely different. Uh, it was me. Then at that year, I think he also had gone to America or he was he was out injured. So that year it was me, Tony and um, and Tyler, and we all fought for the title. Like uh, Tony then got injured, I think halfway through, but at that time. I was already leading the world championship. Um, me and Tyler then went head to head for the rest of the year. Um, it was one of those, I, I don't know why I, I made a few mistakes. Um, and then I think just quite young. And then he was up against Tyler. That was, I think he was 23 at that point. I was then 18. He was just a better overall, you know, over a season, he, he would experience more. He was a little bit more consistent in, um, there was a re- there was a race where I took the red plate. I went one one. I then had the red plate for the first time, and then um, the week after, I crashed um, crashed both races and went like seventeen four or something, and then lost the red plate. So um, just a round like that where Tyler didn't have none of those. So I think I lost the championship by I think thirty points. Um, but yeah, Tyler was just overall better. Um, just one of those where I wasn't quite experienced enough to race. Um, yeah, just he was a better guy. And then when I came back, um, so when I came back from America, I was racing against Ken and Jeffrey, um, which was good, again good. I won quite a lot of GPs, especially the year against Jeffrey the the um, in two thousand and twelve. That was probably my best year to date, where you were like, "Fuck!" I was in the title hunt all the way. Um, but then I had a few a bike problems. But again, I was the more more. Um, experience one then because Jeffrey would have been I think 18 I was then 23 so the tables had turned but obviously yeah. Jeffrey was um Jeffrey was Jeffrey and you were up against someone that was that was good but I think that round that year I won seven GPs he won eight GPs um but I had three bike problems so um I he was probably on a better bike realistically the KTM would have been better than the the Cowie I was on but um Again, no regrets. I just sort of, I think I've done everything that year. And a lot of the times in my career, I always, it's not that I regret anything because I always work quite hard. Um, and there wasn't, I don't think there was much I could have done more than what I'd done, especially in the 250 days. But you were just up against, yeah, Jeffrey Hurlins. I had some bike problems, like I said. But overall, I think even without my bike problems, he would have still won by a couple of points. So it's one of those, um, yeah, you're just up against good people. Yeah, yeah. Because it's, uh, it's one of those things, man, like, like imagine being Kevin Windham and yeah. just racing Ricky Carmichael and then Chad Reed and James Stewart. And, you know, there's so many guys where it's just like, you're just a couple of years removed from 
being the best dude in the world at the time or like yeah it's like one season away where if if this guy stayed in one two fives a year longer or you know you just get like those weird little transitions to where you know you kind of almost just get unlucky with like who you have to race at, at, at a point yeah yeah you can imagine him on his uh with the people he raced yeah it's fucking it's mental but um, if I think about me and I could like a world championship, I obviously went to America in 2009 and 10, um, which was in between. If you think about it, I got second in the world twice, yeah. went to America. And the two years I went to America, you had, it was when Marvin Musquin won the world championship. Um, and Marvin was great that year, but at the same time, I think he missed two GPs because he had that um, palaver where he was riding Honda and then he transferred, he changed to KTM halfway through the year something happened honda took him to court so he didn't race um but the year before the last gp i done i lapped um marvin musquin i went one one in the last gp in 2008 and um i lapped musquin both races then the following year i've gone to america um and he's then won the world championship so it's one yeah. of those where like fuck if you had stayed that's like you're going to be world champion um but things don't happen like that you know like it's not it's not always the case so it's one of those you could say, do you regret going to America because you could have had a world championship? Like on the on a plate, even Tyler then moved to America. Um, yeah, Caroli then moved to MX One. So the three guys that I raced all moved to America. All um all went up. So the championship was wide open all of a sudden. But then I decided, um, fuck it. Like if you're going to America, the time the thing when was like go young, so you could be good at uh, Supercross. Whereas I think, um, excuse me, I think that's not always the case. Um, I think if you was a little bit more mature and you go to America, especially because you're moving, you're moving yeah. the other side of the world. Like my family didn't come with me because I've got brothers, sisters, so mum and dad um, can't just can't just move their life to America with me. So I went alone, and um, you're young at 19 years old to live that, just move your whole life to America, and then at the same time race professional motocross. So I think sometimes, like you look at rider like uh, Rat Trade that went a little bit later. I think he was 23. Yeah. Same with BT. Yeah, BT a little bit later. You look at Roxon, even when he went, he went with his family. Um, his Musquin, dad, yeah. yeah, Musquin went. He was later. Um, uh, if you say, who else was there? Ferrandez, I think he was 22 when he left or 21. So I went maybe too early when I moved that, made that decision to go to America, um, especially when I was moving alone. Um, and also the team I went to, was not sort of like a family team that wasn't like a factory team where it was factory KTM where they was really going to take care of you. It was like, I just moved into MDK KTM yeah. that then folded. And then I just rode for a team that um, KTM just knocked together overnight. They're like, all right, if you want to race, we don't really want to run a team, but you want to race, then um, we'll set a team up sort of thing. So it was, it was quite a strange time um, to make that transition and, and at quite a young age. So if there was anything that I would probably change, it would probably be that. Um, but then in hindsight, I had such a good time. Like when you're out yeah. there, like I lived the dream. I was 19. I was in America. I still got podiums. Um, and we had like the best time. So I wouldn't want to yeah. change it. Um, yeah, I wouldn't change that. That sort of made who I am today and put me where I am today. So it's one of those things that you could change, but would I want to change? Probably not. No. Yeah. Cause dude, I, I remember being at your house and 
it's like there was you and Ed and then, you know, the boys are playing FIFA and then we're like, I can't remember what car you had, but it's like you had the sick car. And I, I remember being pretty taken back. Like I, I was fresh, man. Like I lived in fucking cans, like up in the sticks. And then all of a sudden I'm hanging out with these boys that are just killing it. And it's like you were a year younger than me and I'm like stepping into your fucking pad that's super sick and the cars and there was fucking, there was hot chicks everywhere. I was just like, this is literally the dream. Like you kind of can't get much fucking cooler than this, can you? No, that's what I mean. So when you look at it in that way, you're like, fucking hell. It w- it was mad. Like the whole... um moving there I remember that I was with WMG then so then I moved I flew out there they had a truck that had been like pretty much sent to like fucking pimp my ride or something like it was waiting at this car park down in Encinitas so I drove um, had a truck that was completely blacked out like step someone had put a stereo system in it like that was a thing back then Um, and then I went I bought a house like I remember being 19 you just bought this house on top of a hill in a get community we had like um pool out the back that overlooked everything um just the dream really and at the same time i'm still 19 years old like i bought a house um but i don't know what to do with this fucking house like i've never even owned a house but we got this house we started painting it we um it was it was just mad the things that went on and then um i had a missus that come out with me then we split up so she left so then when they're on my own then ed come out so now I'm, ed's only eight ed's younger than me like eight months younger than me so then was two kids that really have no idea that's what's going on. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, we had we had a trainer that was Ty White um, living with me, and he sort of kept everything. Um, he kept everything uh, on the straight and narrow, as such. Not that we were stupid, because we're we're quite sensible. At the same time, like we enjoyed it, but it wasn't like we were throwing house parties every night. Like, yeah, we had nice things. We had a nice truck, nice house. We was living in a good place, but at the same time, we were still working hard especially with Ty there. Every day was structured. Um, we were just living the dream because also I'm that type of person that I enjoyed the training. Um, not like I wasn't like a training addict, like people that just like, I live for training. It was just one of those things that it was all part of the, it was all part of the program. We woke up, we trained, we rode. Um, but yeah, it was nuts. Like it was, um, we was living the dream. Yeah, without a doubt. And then, you know, you, you the one thing that is pretty rad about America when you've, especially when you're first there is when you go into the races and the tracks that you've always watched on TV. And it's like the first time you go to Redbud, the first time you go to Bud's Creek and you know, like the, it gets old after a few years, but like, you know, those first few seasons that you're there, it's just mad like to be a part of. And then, you know, you go to your first supercross and it's the first time you see opening ceremonies and, you sort of, I mean, for me anyway, like I was working, but I was there as like a fan and I was soaking it all up at the same time. And then, you know, you sort of, yeah, like there were people throwing sick house parties and the girls were easy to bang. And like, it was just, you know, it was, it's such a crazy place to kind of be as like a young dude. That's just, you know, you got the keys to the castle almost. Yeah, no, exactly that. You're, you're in a different world and you're um where I was, privileged because i was obviously good at what i was doing fuck i was earning um decent money then for a young for a young rider to be yeah in america earning that money and um i had it the world was at my feet you know what i mean you was out there um so we could do exactly as we please but we kept on a straight and narrow we raced but as you were saying about 
seeing everything and doing everything that you'd you'd seen on TV. The one track I remember I always used to go to was Glen Helen, and um, I still love that place. And then Supercross, going to doing my first Supercross and seeing it, and being a kid because I used to go out to America a little bit beforehand and ride um, as I prepared for GPs. Like I'd always do six or six weeks or so in the winter. Um, and it was one of those things that I never imagined racing there. Like it was always one of those things that, yeah, that you could be doing it. And when people would say, oh, you might be racing like Supercross, this could be you. It would always freak me out. Um, yeah. But then it's one of those things that when you, you're, you're in the moment that, like I said before, everything comes so quick. And I think it's always because you're in the moment and then mentally you get ready for everything that when it comes, it's not a surprise. You're just, you're just in the moment and you're just going with it. Yeah. And that was always, again, another thing with, with Supercross like and, and with racing nationals. Like I was always so in the moment and always training and riding and um, that I was always mentally ready for everything because I had, I would, I would imagine, not imagined it, but it was just like it was coming and I was ready, then I'd race it. Do you know, it was never one of those things that was put like on a pedal stool because I, I'd never sort of dreamt about it. It just, everything happened so quick. And that was the same with yeah. America. And, and when I look back, you was, was always living in the moment. Um, it was just happening right there as I was with it. And when you look back, that's when you think, fucking hell, like crazy. Yeah. But when you're there and you're young at 19 years old, like yourself now, you'd do everything quite a lot different if you went back. You'd probably appreciate everything a lot more. You'd do things different. But as a 19-year-old kid, you're um, you're not taking it for granted, but you're so naive to to what's what's going on around you you're like yeah i'm just here i'm fucking doing it like i'm waking up i'm training i'm riding i'm racing um and then it's done and you move on but when you look back if you you would take it all in a lot more than what you do when you're a kid mm, it's dude i've been talking to jay the guy that owns jdr or own jdr because we're, we're still best yeah. mates to this day pretty much and uh i was saying i wonder if it's the same for you like I feel like I don't like I've got memories, but I, there's so much stuff that I yeah. did that I forgot because I, and I, I wondered about it as like, was I not in the moment or was I so in the moment that, cause like, fuck, I was living dude. Like I was just, someone said, let's go here. I went there. Like, and it's become kind of obvious to me on this trip. Like, the with covid i mean gypsy tales like that i just would fucking go anywhere i'd be anywhere i'd stay on someone's couch i did not give a fuck like i was just living and then this this trip like to come here now mate the first week i was here i had like legit anxiety like you know the stress thing on your garmin like the stress meter that it reads out for you mate a hundred for a whole week like i was fucking peaking and I just like wasn't enjoying the traveling in the same way. Like all the stuff that I used to not care about, I was just like giving me like this insane anxiety. And I was and I was thinking, I'm like, when I was in America, was I so in the moment that I didn't give a fuck about anything that was going around me? The word anxiety was not even in my head. I I had zero thoughts. I had zero cares. I just. I was just doing it and doing it and doing it and doing it. But then I look back now and people will say like, oh, do you remember when we did this and this happened? And it's like the dopest shit ever. And I'm like, mate, honestly, like I don't even know if I was there because I cannot for the life of me remember what the fuck you're talking about. And I, and I wonder, again, it's like, was I in the moment or was I not? Because some shit that I did is gone. 
Um, no, I completely agree. I think it's just it's so young, um, and you just things just happen. Like you're just doing everything. Like I remember, if you you think about wild things, like I remember going to um, Vegas. I was probably twenty years old, and then there was an armor party, and then I was in an armor party. And Machine Gun Kelly was in the party, like playing in a in a suite upstairs in the Hard Rock. And I'm just like, fucking hell, like, this thing's mad that happened. And um, you just take it all for granted. You just drive there with your mates. You, you've done Vegas and you come home. And um, it's when you look back and you, you talk about things like this, you're, like, just mad. Like, the things that um, we actually done. And um, if you was to go there now and you're like, right, let's do two years in America. Like, you'd do stuff so different. Um, and you'd just probably think about it all a lot more and and take it all in like you you didn't really take it in you you're just like you're here there and everywhere and there wasn't even instagram then like you're just fucking yeah you're just driving up there you're just having a wild um a weekend that's just completely out the blue like it's just happened out the blue no one planned anything i remember just like riding glen helen on the thursday going to 7-eleven packing up a cooler then straight to vegas um it's just I don't. I think when you're young, you just take it all in, and and it was a little. Everything was different then to now. If you know what I mean, like yeah. you, you don't even post about it. You just went. You come back and you said on the, in the car on the way home, like fucking hell, that was that was good. And you're just sort of chatting, like laughing about a couple of things that happened. Like you you lost your friend, and then you found him at the end of the night, and you just be like, fuck, where did you go? And you're like, oh, I ended up here. You're like, oh, I ended up on the floor in this room. Like I don't even remember that. And you're like, who? How did you get there? And um just things that happen but it, it almost when you think about that it's just so different so different then to now if you know what i mean like it just doesn't wouldn't happen now yeah the the social media thing is like that yeah, let place me um, one second it. let me stop because i'm gonna go need a piss and i need to get a, um, yeah. a drink and i want to yeah, turn yeah, no the worries. air con up because it's fucking freezing in there yeah yeah no worries so i'll be back in like one minute yeah yeah you're good all right Fuck, I'm I back. don't, I don't, I don't miss that UK winter. But Ed's fucking gone out and turned the aircon on. I think I was fucking so cold. But no, um, go on, carry on. Then where was we at? Yeah, I, I was just thinking like the, the Instagram thing just changed everything, man. Because like there's yeah the Vegas shit. <laughs> like you would lose your friend all night because he didn't have a fucking phone. Um, yeah there was no instagram that you know there's no tagging and people like were down to send it because you know you'd only sort of get caught like dude i got fuck i can't wait till dean wilson comes on this because mate me and him had a night one night in colorado (laughs) that like damn near lost his fucking pro circuit ride really oh mate and it's like you know there was no there was no instagram like the only reason that we uh, anyone found out about that night is because he legitimately like the police <laughs> some shit happened with the police otherwise it was got free but like I mean even like to think about the people that you know you're like we used to we used to have a thing with Bellagio so we could just get we just free everything at Bellagio and uh, so like you just call up reception and say oh we want a table at the bank or we want a table or whatever and they'd, they'd just do it and like I remember, uh, I remember going in there one night. We had this table, and I was with Jay, and he like doesn't drink, doesn't party. So I had this fucking table and all these bottles at the Bellagio by myself. 
and uh, and then the the game was there, like the rapper, and he just had all these chicks, all these fucking this whole big crew, and it was next to my table, and I just remember being like, mate, just. I got all these shit. I'm just here by myself. So I'm just spent a full night sending it with the game and this entire posse of rappers. And it's like, no Instagram. I didn't have a phone. So it's just like, you know, you don't want to take any photos. You don't get anyone's no. number. Like if that happened these days, you'd be instant. Well, I probably wouldn't be, but you know, people like Instagram and it and you'd get his, you'd get his follow on Instagram and you'd, you know, but it was just so you were just in and out. And it was like this crazy experience that you've only ever got as just like a story for another time. Yes. It's completely that. And it was the same. Um, it's the same, the whole, the whole time in America. Um, yeah. It just feels like that. Like we was, we was at the house and, I've barely got any time or any pictures from from being out there. Like um, you were just there. Parents would fly out every now and again. We would go to the beach for the day. We would just do everything, but nothing. Um, we'd just do whatever we wanted, but there was nothing that you you was doing it for no reason other than that it was just spare at a moment, and it's what you wanted to do. You was doing nothing for Instagram or or for anything else. And the the trips to Vegas as I said about that one, like being in the room with Machine Gun Kelly in a suite in Hard Rock, like, fuck, I was 19. Like, if that happened now, I'd be like, well, it'd just be mad. It, it just don't, ha- them things don't happen. Um, and I don't know how that happened then. I, I didn't even know who he was. Like, I don't think he was that big at the time. Um, he was just like coming up somehow. But it's, um, yeah, it's just weird, like you say, how these things happen. I think it's just, it was just different then. Everything was different. Yeah. And none of the guys now would want to do that. Like, that's not... It feels so far away. Like, dude, some of the shit J-Law used to do, you know, some of the boys, like, even Kenny back in the day, like, you know, obviously, you don't want to fucking no. say... You don't want to speak on people's behalf, but, like, there was guys that were just down to fucking send it. And they were fun dudes to be around, like, legit parties that have some legit fun. And, you know, it seems like, nowadays it's just it's like a cultural thing like it's just gone from the culture people don't people don't even want to party anymore it's just not even you know it's not even really a thing it's like it's just been completely stamped out of the industry yeah when you say that it generally has because um the years that i was there it was which year would have i been like 2009 was my first year in america so i remember i was really young but we went Say we was practicing at like Glen Helen, and it was uh, I didn't race at Supercross the first the first year, so so we went to Vegas like straight from I think riding Glen Helen because it was um it was like pre season as well at the same time do you know because you only get like two weeks so we'd ride and we'd go there and I remember thinking um I can't remember what year it was but one of the years Chad Reed we was it was like Friday night and he was he was on a mad one. And then I remember walking to, I can't remember what year, I think he was having a bad year and he was a little bit somewhat injured or something, like he wasn't a championship year. But then we was all there and then um, we then went to like the pits on on Saturday afternoon and we see him walking in his gear and we're just like, no way. We're like, fucking hell, (laughs) like 10 hours earlier he was um, like in one of the casinos going nuts and then then we see him just walking to practice and we're just like, fuck no like cannot believe he's on a bike we didn't think he was racing i think it was one of those years where i can't remember it might be 2009 when he was on a cowie i'm sure he was on a cowie but um 
it was just so funny that he'd gone and partied all night and then he was just wheeling his bike to the start line to um to go out for practice. It was, it was just one of those stories where it was mind blown. Dude, I remember, I've never told this story on here, but uh, I, I doubt it'll care nowadays. But it was, fuck. Do you remember the year that K-Dub got knocked out at Phoenix? He had that crash. And, and he ended on a him. jump. Yeah, 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 and he knocked himself out. Yeah, I do remember. So, so I was with JDR. And at Phoenix Supercross is all, or when it, when it was back then anyway, it was always Lil D's birthday from FMF. Yeah. And so we, uh, Lil D had this party uh, at his place. K-Dub has that crash, gets knocked out. I fucking sent it all night with uh, Roger Larson from Seven. Yeah, I like Roger. Yeah, yeah, Roger. And uh, so <laughs> anyway, we, we were out all night. I almost take this like, chick home from a cat like literally this is how it went down i walked outside then there were these two birds fit in this about to get in this cab and then i was like where are you going she's like back to my place i was like i'm coming too and she's like oh, 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 oh all right and so anyway i start getting in this cab with this chick full just how mary and uh anyway her friend just fully shuts it down like full cock block on that front so then anyway i don't really remember what happens for the rest of the night but i wake up in my hotel room by myself the team's already gone i've missed my flight so i was stranded in phoenix by myself so i call up roger larson because he was driving home and then i was like mate i've got to jump in the van with you we get in the van and k-dub's in the van with him right because uh, he's can't fly because he's got this concussion so then it was football playoffs and st louis was in the playoffs for uh for football which is like his team anyway he says to roger he's got some photo shoot for like answer it must have been answer because that's who roger was working for yeah. then and uh anyway he goes he's like mate we're not going home you need to take us to morongo casino and uh and we're gonna watch the football and and gamble and anyway we spent all we drove straight to this casino and fucking centered at this casino and it it was like in between uh in between these supercrosses roger's stressing because he's got his chick blowing up at him and uh and k-dub's like trying to call you remember that heli gym dude that does all like the filming for the helicopters like all the shoots and stuff so he's like literally calling the helicopter guy, being like, Roger, you can leave. I'll get a helicopter from here in the morning to the shoot. So I was like, that was just the, that was the shit that the boys did back then. Yeah, and it's just I don't gone, think that, that happened now. That don't happen now. But that was one of the coolest, like talk about a moment of like, I, I didn't, Instagram wasn't a thing then. And I just get picked up by roger with kevin windham in the car and end up at a casino never i've never watched a game of football in my life and i've never played a game of blackjack in my life and i did both like a pro for the first time ever it was just like one of those crazy cool random experiences and i've been friends with k-dub ever since yeah no it's mad that but it just don't happen so that's one of those um yeah but it's all just met there's, there's not there's probably not even one picture from any of that that even happened that you've got <laughs> none of them dude literally no 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 so yeah it's a it's a crazy time but i mean i don't know like is the racing better for it is that do we get better racing now i think you um i think that's just that's why it's just leveled the whole playing field it's not that i mean those guys were mm. winning and still 
I don't know, they were still winning and still partying. So it's a bit odd to say, but I think everyone, I think it was maybe in one of your podcasts before that they were saying like uh, where everyone has the training facility, everyone works hard. And I think now if you don't work hard, um, if you don't work hard and you're not on one of those teams or you're not under the eye of um, one of those trainers, then you you don't get the opportunities. Like people are like, oh, you have to be under, um, you have to train with him to ride for our team or we've got a riding coach and and that. Um, so I don't think it's better, but I just think it's just leveled. Everyone's on that, that level. Everyone's riding with each other every single day. Um, training with each other every day so everyone sees what everyone's doing everyone knows what everyone's doing that um i don't know the cream still obviously rise to the crop the whatever they say the cream of the crop or it rise to the top but um it i don't know if the racing's better for it i don't think so no not in general like i'd prefer watching the racing from um 10 years ago like i still watch it on youtube now it comes up and you always watch them and you you don't actually know the results from the race but you still watch it like it's like I wonder who wins this race, sort of thing. Um, it's just different now. I think. Mm. Yeah, but I mean, we. Well, I think that one one good metric of it, dude, is like how many people still just love J Law. Yeah, he's mad. You see, every week something pops up, and they're like J Law. I think I was scrolling for Instagram this morning, and something said J Law, and you just, I don't know what it was about, but it still pops up all the time. But I mean. I mean, he might, you need to get him on the show because he must have some, I mean, talk about living in the moment like we was doing. Fuck, he must have some stories about what's going on that no one would even believe. Dude, I've heard like crazy shit. Crazy, crazy. And not like the, nothing bad, you know, like you kind of hear some stuff like post-racing or whatever. I talk to him all the time. Like I think that, I think it will happen at some point um we yeah we we talk on instagram like oh, he's a fucking cool nice guy but like yeah he just some of the stuff that i heard and like know it's true from his racing career is just fucking insane like and how good that dude was to go out like dude do you remember when he showed up at daytona on the 450 and mm. almost beat chad reed yeah and like on the podium he's just like oh, i really didn't want to beat chad man like that guy's my idol like i couldn't see myself beating chad reed i'm just like yeah you think oh, he actually f- pulled over i think and let him by yeah because i think um i think chad was like pretty well in the championship that yeah, year something too. like, like that. he didn't want to get involved did he yeah, Daytona's obviously like pretty pivotal round, but Daytona's bike week in America. So like you got Moxies and all those bars, like dude, that place is like a fucking cesspit for that race, man. Like if you want to get in trouble at any been. week. Oh, dude, it's terrible. <laughs> like I went, the years that I went, I was just like, fuck boys, I'm out. This is too much for me. Like <laughs> as gnarly as you can imagine that a weekend is like some of the clubs there. And you're just like, oh, fuck, even I've, I've got my limits. <laughs> no, I've never been to that one. <laughs> I would like to go to Daytona and do the whole week, but no, I've not. Um, I never went to that one. Do you do you remember like because J Law was racing when you were racing there, right? Like, did you have any like crazy J Law moments or? Um, I can't remember which year he would have been. I guess he was on a four fifty when I was there, wasn't he? Because um, he had the team. Oh, that was right. So I rode for. I think that was the year he started up his own team. Um yep. And he was four fifty, but I never. Um, um, I never done much with him. Like I remember hanging out with him a couple of times. I think there was one party at 
uh, um, Josh Hill's house, and then we ended up in a taxi, and then we ended up staying at his, I ended up staying at his house for some reason after, um, and he was living with um, Kyle Krause at the time, I'm sure. Um, but yeah, we was both in a taxi. We ended up both back there, but it was, um, yeah, just I can't remember. There was a time like that, and then I think there was another time. He must have been friends with Hill that. I'd first yeah. gone to America and we would, I'd been to the KTM workshop, which then I think become the J star one. Is yeah, that right? Yeah. Or not at the back of Temecula. Yeah. Um, yeah. And we were new and then I was just driving my pickup and we sort of pulled up. I'm not sure if we had pulled up or something. Um, we, we was like new to the area. So we was trying to find out where to go. But then um, Josh Hill pulled up alongside us and I think he had J law in the car, in the passenger seat and like four birds cramped in the back of his truck. And, um, he was like, they were just talking like they do in America. And they're like, oh, you're new here. Like, yeah, we heard, like, you can, you should come over and hang out. So we were like, all right. Um, I can't remember. I think it was just me and Ed in the car. But anyway, we ended up at his, at Josh Hill, because that was when he had the big house. Yeah. Um, that was kind of behind that workshop, eh? Yeah, just behind the workshop. So Josh was yeah. there, and he was real nice to me the whole time we was in, um, we was in America, like, uh, through everything he helped us out a few times and we'd, we'd go over to his but he was obviously at the time where I think he was winning Supercross so he was winning Supercross yeah. and then he had that house and he was like a legend at that time in his career like I think he was obviously partying a little bit but he was still winning um, so I remember going to Josh Hills a couple of times and J-Lo being there and um, like Kyle Krause and then you had Ben Hargis and those guys um, yeah yeah but just really good times with those and, and they weren't like completely mad like they was all out training i remember josh was when i see him he'd come straight from the track so still working hard but um but then he had like a it was just a bachelor pad one that he just had that house and he was yeah. part in there and it was um he had like a mini bike track in the garden so just things like that that yeah as you said now it doesn't happen now but i don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing it's probably in a way, it's a bad thing because you don't have the stories and you don't have, like, those guys you are like, fuck, yeah. he's sick because he still wins and he can do this. And um, you don't have the characters that everyone works hard now. It's not um, – there's not as many people where you can um, – yeah, there's just not those characters there once was. Yeah, and, man, I, I think that the media really fucked today because you, you kind of – that was, like, the era of, like, where the internet was kind of just starting – because before it was, this is kind of like my fucking kooky theory on it anyway. It's like before you only had the media in terms of the magazines. It wasn't like every day shit was getting posted on Racer X. As soon as you started getting this error of, because like if you threw a big party in Tenecula <coughs> and like some shit went down or whatever, it's not like the very next day you could have some dickhead write about it and to use it because that would get the most clicks and then you'd get these guys that would start writing for these websites and whatever that they started like really making a name for themselves off kind of like this day-to-day -day reporting of like who was doing this who's over there this guy has this part it sort of it became like a little bit of like a toxic kind of like I guess media cycle in a way and then I've, I I I think that's what like really started to shut shit down but dude I remember like I remember parties at Hills that were fucking so fun and it wasn't out of control like it wasn't like I've since then been to fucking out of control parties like a lot of crazy drugs a lot of crazy shit where 
you're like, all right, this is kind of a bad deal. And the people that are here that are like doing this, they're not doing well. It wasn't like yeah, that. Not <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? You're like, this isn't a good place to be and nothing good is going to come out of this. It was like young dudes making heaps of cash, fucking hot chicks playing music with the big stereos that they bought in their big house and then riding some pit bikes in the backyard, you know? Like, I guess kind of everything that you'd kind of want to do as like a young kid uh that was you know making money and doing that sort of shit but yeah just it seemed like uh, and that translated to the track you know like dude hill was killing it he yeah. fucking straight up passing james stewart in races and you know like leading the championship definitely shouldn't have done a backflip probably, yeah, probably not, not the best not, thing that's definitely not the move but i mean yeah it's not like he was a guy that couldn't finish a 20 light main event right no he was winning so um and I think a lot of the people then, that was the way they was always going to do it. You know, I don't think he was, they maybe not wouldn't have done as good if they went a different way about it. You know, you can't, mm. he won at times when he was racing James Stewart and Chad Reed and Ryan Dungey and winning races. It wasn't even as like he was winning a race. I know the guys are, are good now, but the the level he was racing at was the best it's ever been. It wasn't like it was just yeah. one time where like, oh yeah, but he could get away with that because of... um because of the people he was racing at that point in his career, no, they were the best. They were the best people. Um, so it, it's just all different. But uh, as you mentioned before, it wasn't that they were do, they were doing bad things. You know, like they were just kids enjoying themselves, and they were young at the time. Like Josh would have been, I think he might be one or two years older than me, maybe the same age. I'm not really sure, but he was young. And he was he obviously made a, a lot of money, probably more than what a lot of the young guys are making now. Um, and he w- he was just enjoying himself, and it was doing it like he he was he was as I said I mentioned before he was always so nice to me when I was there, um, invited us around because he was like oh you're new and if you if you haven't got like um, not like friends but like if you want to meet people come over to mine yeah. like we're always hanging out um, so there was no um, there was no bad intent in anything they done I even remember one party which I went to it was the the GP it was the US GP at Glen Helen um, yeah which was in 2010 and he had a party after it and a lot of people come from the GP and had Stefan Everts there. Stefan Everts came yeah. to Josh's party and um, and Joel Smets and he just ran, yeah, just threw a party and then Everts turned up and that and everyone was just, it was just so funny. That's yeah, like dude, you wouldn't uh, picture it that Everts was at Josh Hill's party, but it, it happened. Well, dude, and that's just the, the thing like uh, the, and I've, I mean, I said this, but anyone that, Anyone that hated on Josh Hill back in the day, like, they lost out because he's the coolest motherfucker. Like, to this day, I don't know many people that are cooler than him. That's just, like, talented on a dirt bike and just nice as hell. You know, just the the nicest, coolest guy to be around. It was the same story. Like, I remember, it's funny you said Ben, man. Shout out to Ben Hargis. He's like one of the good dudes. Do you still talk to him much? Yeah, Ben and Andrew. Remember Andrew used to live with me, Diaz. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I um, no, I don't to talk to, no, I don't speak I to Ben too much. Um, I speak to Andrew every now and again, and I still obviously have Ben on Instagram, Andrew on the Instagram, but um, I see they're both doing well, really well. Yeah, I miss those boys like Ryan Penhall, mm. Ben, Tracy. I miss all those yeah, dudes, man. That was, that was such a fun fun crew to hang around um so the the gps nowadays do you is that like the premier 
motocross like are those are they the gnarliest dudes in the world on dirt bikes do you think um difficult again to say because you always get that u.s um the u.s europe or u.s world championship divide as such but i think the way the level it was this past year was was high and even the year previous with jeffrey and um and the boys racing i think how fast jeffrey was going um and again roman february because he was fighting till the end this year but I almost think this year now, with um, there's a lot of riders that have gone over the past few years. Like a lot of riders have retired the last three years. I think um, there was no one retired for probably I don't know. It seemed like any of the top guys just stayed there forever. And then all of a sudden mm. you've had like Desau, who was one of the best. You've had Paulan. Um, I don't know. There's a few others as well that have gone out over the past years that have, have um, narrowed the field down a little bit. But again, I just think the way the bikes are, um, I always think the way that um, America races the two series is uh, their focus is obviously supercross compared to the guys that in Europe that it's just motocross, motocross, motocross. Um, so I do think they are the the best at motocross. Maybe not all the field. Um, you're always going to have the the debate because you've got Ken Roxon, obviously won world championships here. Now he's in America. Um, you're always going to have that that thing like Musquin obviously won a world championship went to America but I think the level that Hurlins um, has pushed it to and you've got riders like Caroli who's obviously nine times world champion who could still line up um, and win on any given weekend but the level's just high and I think the bikes are high the teams they focus all year on motocross so it just raised the level um, but then at the same time you think as I was saying before like with how the bikes are the riders are at that level of they've reached that's huge, but then there's a lot of riders at that level. Do you know, it's not just like, mm. oh, there's four guys like you think Jeremy Sewell won the last round. Um, or I think not the last round, but a couple of the rounds beforehand. And then you wouldn't put Jeremy Sewell in the same category as you would put say Ken Roxon, um, Eli Tomac, Jeffrey Hurlins. But then at the same time he, he won the race. So then it makes you think is the level that high because um, obviously Sue is a great rider, but you wouldn't hold him to the same status that, as you would those guys. But then at the same time, he beat them all straight up, pulled away. Um, I think he, he was winning the race, dropped back to like third in a crash, came back through, won the race. So when you look at things like that, it's, it's hard to then say that the level's ridiculous, do you know? The level is mm. what it is. And I think Herlins is um, really yeah like ridiculously fast on his day now um or for a whole season because this year obviously he crashed um broke his shoulder came back won and then won the championship and then in years past when Caroli's been winning the level he's been at but honestly I think it's it's difficult to say it really is difficult to say I think the when you're in it um gone are the days where unless you're a Jeffrey Herlins that you can come through but then if you're always far if you are faster you you find ways to pass but i think when i was there the last few years um if if everything wasn't right and you're not a 100 percent, then you're just fighting a losing battle because mm. all the riders are so good now um and as i think they all work really hard they all train hard their bikes are good so it's just put the the whole series on that that level really and so like for a guy like yourself that's been so consistently second in the world championship third in the world championship like just one of the premier dudes in the class like 
what are the signs that you need to not race GPs anymore? Like, what do you start to kind of notice? What do you start to see in yourself where you're like, eesh? Um, more for me, it was like the enjoyment factor of it and then just that you feel like you're hitting your head against a brick wall every weekend. But it all um, it all spirals. My um, 450 career was never as good as my MX. Um, my 250 career was such. I um, When I signed 450, I didn't sign for a factory team. Um, I had factory offers there, but I was quite happy with the team I was on at the time, um, which was a CLS team. Um, and then I went 450 with those guys on a two-year contract. Um, but early uh, in that first year, I sort of realized you need a factory team here because um, there was like cracks coming in, in the teams, you know, like where it was just personal people, you know, not working for a company. They would come, they would leave halfway through the year, like personal problems would, um, would affect the team. Um, and then... I realized, okay, I need to be on a factory team. So we tried switching um, to, say, factory Kawasaki, which I still had the, the Kawasaki contract, but then I nearly got out of that um, and went for a different team. But in the end, it, it it all fell through, and I rode for CLS the second year and had problems. But it um, just injuries, you sort of get on a downward spiral. I had an injury where my bike's broke on the takeoff of a jump in Thailand. Um, I broke my wrist, and then I came back. Um, then I signed for factory ktm um again i had injuries i broke my back on a jump in thailand that year came back and broke my shoulder um it's just one of those things that you start on the downward slope you get injuries you try and come back from injuries too soon because of contracts um trying mm. to get paid obviously you always want to get paid you don't want to sit out too long so that people cut your money because it, it's your job um but yeah you just get on that downward slope really hard to come back from um you get lesser results because you've been injured and then you get lesser rides and um, it just spirals really. Now I was on that. I sort of was always trying to come back. You're trying harder because you're, you're on a lesser bike yeah, yeah. and then um, you end up crashing more. You're getting bad starts. So you're in a, in an area where you're more prone to have accidents as such because things happen because you're not in a good position on the track. So it was, um, it was just those things happening and you always then, you try and pick yourself up from it. You're like, right, I'm going to do everything I can. You get back to the weekend and um, you get a shitty start. You, ha- you get caught in a crash and you just think, fuck, what am I doing this for? Like, um, you obviously money gets worse because you're you're getting lesser results. So it's just um, just a downward spiral, really. You start, you crash, you get injured, you try and come back, you're injured. And um, that was the story of my, my MX1 career, really. Um, and then at, at the end of it, I got, a a chance to go on the factory Kawasaki team because their riders got injured and when I rode for them I went straight from being like a around the top 10 guy to then my first um, GP getting fifth overall and um, finishing a couple of seconds behind the podium guy so it was at that point where I knew fucking hell like I'm fighting a losing battle trying to do this on a team that's not factory Um, and then that sort of made my decision it made my decision really I'd already made it um, but that cemented it like fucking hell I'm not going to do this on a um a team that's that's not factory now and uh and then I decided to step back and and race in England so but racing for the the Kawasaki team and seeing how good it was um and how professional every single thing was about the team how professional was it was practicing and seeing seeing what it took from them and um them giving you everything you need to do it made me realize that unless you've got that it's pointless having a go at it. 
at my level, mm. at my point in my career. Yeah, so it's almost like that same positive momentum that you were building when you're younger. It's like you have everything go right and it's just positive, positive yeah. momentum. And it's like, it's just like, there's like a flywheel effect. It just gathers more of its own steam. But then it's yeah, like on the backside like the of the career, it's just like the exact opposite. So you just hit that peak. And that's what it's crazy when you think about, you know, you think about a guy like Caroli in the era that he did what he oh. did to just that shit. Like what? Yeah. How he done it. Um, for so long and you can sort of see how he done it for so long when you're um when you're in it with him and i rode with him for a team and he was always one of the best teammates i think and probably the best person um just in as a as a person you know such a nice nice person um but just how he treats his career and what he would done and you would see how other people would make mistakes um and how he wouldn't make their mistakes and he'd just watch it as other people sort of crashed out and he was always there, and um, I think he, like I said before about the guidance, he always had to Carly, and he must have been a big influence. Um, and how Tony done it, I think Tony's kids, uh, like his schoolboy career and his rise was similar to mine, like it, it happened um, without him really thinking about it, it just happened, and then all, all of a sudden he was there, he was on a good team. Um, no, he had a bit of a struggle, struggle at first, but when he got with Carly, it seemed to... Um, he seemed to just build momentum and then he went from not qualifying to to winning GPs within a space of months and then to be world champion. And I think to be in that same team, in that same atmosphere, um, his whole, whole career was a huge part of how he could win nine world titles and then still be winning um, up until the week he retired. I think he won a GP the same week he retired. Um, and I think that's a huge part because he had such a good group of people and a and a, a group of people that were like his family around him the whole time. But then even how he he treats and how he looks at the sport and how he's able to enjoy his life a, a, other than the sport and have like s- that perspective that he can enjoy his week, sit by the pool, go out on his boat on a weekend off where other people are trying to race national championships and then hurting himself on a weekend that they felt they need to race. He... Um, he just seems to be so mentally strong that he can he can sit at home, play FIFA, um, and then go out on his boat and then still line up and win the next GP. Not that he doesn't work hard, but there's such a good balance, and he's had that he's had that balance that no one else has had in motocross for um, for his whole career. And I think you've got to be so mentally strong to even be able to have that balance. Because I know even from myself being in the sport that. There's sometimes where you get overwhelmed and you feel like you need to ride that day, like you need to ride that day, and you just think all the things that happen, you might be ran down or it, it might be raining, and you still, he's the type of rider that'd be like, nah, or he's he's um with Claudio Ducali, would be like, don't worry about today, like go for a little run, have a jog, and um, but you have to be mentally strong enough to be able to switch off and do that. Where a lot of riders, they're like, they get their strength mentally from training hard Work, and that yeah. yeah that gives him that where he he does both like he does enough that it gives him the strength that he can still line up and switch on at weekends but at the same time he has the um he can switch off and a lot of people mm. i know can't switch off and um that that forces them into the ground where he can just stay at that level where they can't dude it's crazy that that same 
I feel like people can just apply that to their own life in in a lot of different ways as well like I mean this this is the longest like this podcast with you is the longest time between podcasts that I've had in like probably three years I reckon just because of like traveling and shit and it has fucked with my head in such a big way because you I'm so used to grinding and you feel like the success that you've had is just purely off the back of the grind and it's like you know essentially it's like three weeks off the bike in a way and i'm like fuck i'm gonna lose everything like it's gonna come crashing down and it's like reality wise like we've still been putting shit on youtube like it's still kind of cranking the itunes numbers will be down but like fuck it (laughs) like really when i look back you know this episode will go up on monday and fucking all is well in the world again yeah that that gap between mate it's been fucking torture yeah, and it's like to you know it, to hear what you said about Caroli, it's like made instantly made me think like you're a dickhead yeah no i i really believe that's why he's had such a big success and he's had and he's got nine world titles is down to that that side of it because um um yeah he's just got the balance right and it's and you do you mentally beat yourself up if you don't go ride and then sometimes you're like you can see yourself say it's february now and your season is um in like september and then you think what the fuck did it matter that i rode that shitty day around that track that was frozen in february like what good did that do me in the long run absolutely no good like it was just um you need to be mentally strong enough to know when to to switch off and there was a day i remember that i can pinpoint now I went to Glen Helen, it was December, um, and I was just riding in California because I'd gone out. This was after I lived in, um, it was two, the end of 2016, um, and I'd just gone there for six weeks, thought I'd have a little ride, and um, woke up, felt shit, um, was going to pick the missus up from the airport, had flown in with her friend, um, and we and I still went and rode Glen Helen, um, and then I blew my knee out, done my ACL, and I just think now... Looking back, there was absolutely no need to go ride that day. I woke up, I didn't feel well. I should have just gone and got breakfast, gone and picked the missus up. Um, like, it would have made no difference to my um, my season whatsoever. But you get so caught up in the moment. And some people need it mentally to just hit every mark. Do you know what I mean? But yeah, other people yeah. don't. And um, Caroli was one of those that, that didn't need to do that on stupid days. Like, he knew when to switch off. And he knew when to turn it on, and I think that's um, that's a big part. But it's so hard to say because then I think another program people might say, "Look, you need to just no days off, like no days off." That's what gives you the strength for hitting every single mark every day, whether it be wet, whether it be dry, putting in the work. That then gives them that the strength yeah. from there. So I think it's it's um, it's hard to find that balance and and. Yeah, you know personally, but I see it. I see it both sides. Yeah, but I think the the thing to that I kind of I guess heard in that is that he he was fought, like not beating himself up on the days that he did take off because you know like that's the thing that I've struggled with here is like I haven't enjoyed. I'm in like a beautiful place and I just haven't really haven't even let myself enjoy it. It's almost like this internal guilt that yeah. you feel like it's like I I'm not working I'm not grinding I shouldn't be allowed to enjoy this it's just like this mentality and then you're you know you're in this place and you you are having 
this time it's like you're here you're not doing a fucking podcast for a couple of weeks like just enjoy it you twat <clears throat> yeah no it's exactly that but i think someone around you have to have good people around you that then say right you go now enjoy that weekend and i think um dick harley was that for him because even when i was mm. there I remember Dadaika cycled to the track one time and then he was a little bit t- tired on the track because Ken obviously, um, he liked his cycling. He cycled there and then the second motor was like, what happened? And he was like, oh, a bit tired. And I remember Claudio was saying, well, are you, are you a cyclist or are you a motocross rider? Like, fucking do yeah. the work on your bike like, and do that right. And then if you wanted to go cycle, do a bit more, do that. But um, I think the Carly must have been a big influence on him to say, um, yeah, go on your boat now, do a steady little run, enjoy enjoy your weekend, like you've worked hard in the yeah. week. Um, but there was just certain times where I remember, I think it was Dessau or someone done a, a, a Belgium international, broke his leg or something silly, and um, he was in a title chase. And I remember Caroli was on the boat that same weekend and Dessau was doing the Belgium championship, and you just think, fucking hell, like, he, he just lost the championship. Well, mate, who sat on his boat? It's just, it's mental. <laughs> so is Caroli the goat or is Everts the goat? Um, it's difficult to say. I really, I've always really gotten well with Tony and I think the way he's done it and how he's done it over the years and the, how he's been able to stay at the, the top for so long. Not that, not that Stefan didn't. I just think um, it's hard to say one or the other, but I do, really respect Tony and, and the same with Stefan, but I think the way Tony's done it is um is cool. He's just a friend of mine more. He's more my age and um I really enjoyed being his teammate. So um yeah, either or really, but my time's more with more with Tony, so I sort of respect that that era more. I think with I think with Tony, like I mean I guess, yeah, it's like hard. It, maybe it's hard for us because we don't have like the full perspective. Like we were so young when Everts was doing his thing. But I mean, think about the era of riders that Caroli's had to race. Like he, he's had to deal with everybody and such dramatic like motorcycle changes as well. I mean, even that he won, what, three world titles on a 350? Yeah. You know, so like there's a, you know, and to, I guess the age that he did it at, like retired, was he 40 pretty much when he retired? Um, I think, who, Tony? Yeah. I think he's 37 now. Okay, um, yeah. So, yep, he, yep. But, so he retired this year. I may be wrong. He may be 36. But the thing is with Tony, I think if you look at it more in more detail, he came from nothing. Um, he was, he came from no money, just riding on a little mm. island in... Um, Sicily I, I believe I might hopefully I haven't got that wrong but um and then he's come up through nothing with no money with his parents racing um he's reached the top and then he's he's just and he's just worked he's worked hard his whole career to get where he to get to where he's got and then he's done it through the through the career he's had the he, he both parents have passed away as he's been racing through world championships and I think he still won the world championships both those years um wow. there's just um if you watch his documentary, I'm not sure if you've seen it, um, no, but just through that, it's worth watching and then you just have like a whole new respect for it. And then at the same time, when you see still racing now, and like we said before, the level of MXGP, the the current level at it, and then you think, fucking hell, he's still winning. Like he still pulls it out of the bag and um, he's won a GP every year for, I think, 16 years now. Um, so to do that, it's just, it's just mad. Yeah, 
Yeah, where where's that doco at? Like where you where can find you it on that? YouTube, I think. Pretty yeah, sure okay. it's Tony Caroli. Um, I think you put it in there, but it's worth a watch. Really cool. Yeah, I'd I'd actually love to do the podcast with him. I'm hoping that we can get him in the Euro Studio because it'd be it'd be pretty crazy to hear him talk on like in like this format, you know. Yeah, he's good, but with him as well, he's so. When you're away from it, he doesn't even talk about bikes. Like I remember being his teammate, and you just go up to his house. You're, I was living in a car park in, um, living in the car park in um, Rome near his workshop, and then he, yeah, his house was a couple of miles up the road, and um, he'd invite us up. But you, he would barely talk about bikes. He's got such a good life away from, um, away from racing that, yeah, he barely. He'd rather just sit and play PlayStation. He'd never mention a race that he raced or. Um, he would never bring up like, oh, I won a GP there or something like that. You could be talking about something and it could have been a place where he won 10 GPs, but he wouldn't even bring it up. Like he would just carry on and then um, carry on with the conversation like it's like it's irrelevant to the conversation sort of thing. He just, he's not worried. Like he's just normal. Yeah, that's so cool, man. Yeah, that, that's a, that's one of the guys. I mean, I guess like a lot of GP dudes, I just haven't had that much to do with them. So you kind of, you sit back and you just, you can only kind of watch from, from afar and like yeah you got so much respect for a guy like that can just do what he did over such a long period of time and i guess in the in the goat conversation with europe it is uh there's a difference there because harry evitz was obviously stefan evitz father so there's like a very deep and then even his grandfather won yeah GPs, there's, right? there's such a um there's like such a, a difference in careers from the, yeah. from the two people <clears throat> but then at the same time you've got stefan who won three gps and i think he won three gps in one day in a day yeah <laughs> so there's um he raced the two strokes he raced tortelli and then at the same time i was watching something the other day that come up and he raced in america i think he won a supercross he won an ama national um so there's a lot of things that get th- forgot about with stefan everts as well at the same time that you don't you don't even remember happened yeah yeah <laughs> There's some gangster dudes that are <laughs> ridden dirt bikes, eh? Yeah, there is. It's mad. There's a lot of the old guys, I think Supercross was a little bit different back then. Like, you could race GPs and then you could jump in at Supercross because it, it doesn't seem like yeah. it was so much. It was technical, but it wasn't, like, complete rhythm sections that you're going to kill yourself on. It was, like, double into, like, a sketchy set of whoops that you could double your way through. And I think um, because you was watching guys like Chiodi, he was racing Supercross, Everts come, Evert came, Pichon came, um there's a little bit different uh, there's a difference between supercross now and supercross then i believe that you could race gps and then just jump in and race a few supercross yeah 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 well uh tommy just did three hours mate and i uh i didn't know that you'd uh i didn't know that you'd want to sit still for that long but no, I, uh, it's quite hard to sit still for that long has it been three yeah, hours since yeah. we started or since we ed was messing around no. with the podcast Nah, so it's been three hours seventeen since I press record. So oh, fuck I me. think, yeah, it would be pretty close to three hours, mate. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. Even Ed said he was like, he's like, fuck me, mate. Don't know how you're gonna get Tommy to sit still. For no, that I've long. sat still. I mean, I've sat through. It's gone. Fr- I've been at Baltic temperatures in here. At one point, it was like minus one in here. So I've had a, a go out and do, have a uh, clothing change. But now I'm a bit more. I'm actually more comfortable now. And I was halfway through. I was fucking freezing. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate it, man. I've, I've enjoyed it. Fucking crazy career, dude. Like, honestly, a crazy career. I mean, I didn't, I didn't know half of that. I've known you for a long time, but there's a lot of, uh, 
there's a lot of crazy shit in there to like you you couldn't have a career like yours now like it's impossible there's nobody that will ever live and race a dirt bike and get second in the world championship that grew up the way that you grew up never gonna happen no i don't know it's a little bit different but it was it was good and i was obviously lucky like i said we were privileged to have a little bit of a garden that i could uh, learn on and then um good guidance when i was young uh that helped i think being in the right place at the right time and right opportunities um you couldn't really you couldn't make that up as such like it it happened yeah. right um where you see a lot of kids nowadays and I, I didn't have any setbacks as such when i was young so i was fortunate for that you see a lot of young kids now yeah. where they're fast and then you see them they get injured and you're like fuck poor guy like he's come back he's 18 he's on that He's on that yeah. edge, and now he's got injured again. He's got he's going to put more pressure on himself to try and come back. You see that a lot, um, and I was obviously quite fortunate that I didn't have um, too many setbacks. Worked hard, and it um, it all went to plan um, all the way up till like my four fifty career, and then it sort of went back the other way, like we mentioned before. But yeah. um, no, it's been a good career, and like I said, I wouldn't change much. Just areas where I could have. Yeah, America, that America part. But would you have gone or would you have stayed longer? But you, um, it's all brought me to where I'm at now, and I'm I'm happy now. So it's good. Uh, what what have you got any like bucket list type shit that you want to do? Like, I mean, one I want to come over and do Western Beach race. Like that to me just seems like like I live up the road from that, and that's one race I, I'm not asked on doing. <laughs> You're not gonna do it. It's just one of those that I've never off. been You've to. You've got to do it. Yeah, nah, I'll probably do, do it, it at some point. But it's always one of those that's always wet, cold. It looks good. And a lot of people, it's a big race. Like, you get a lot of people come and watch that. It's Billy, one of Billy Bolt's, his favourite race of the year. Um, but he loves just getting stuck in and being in the mud. So there's, um, But no, for me, a bucket list stuff, not really, not now. Um I mean, you've got like the GP coming up next weekend. So this, I don't know when this goes out, but mate, the, the first round may have been, that's at Matley. So stuff like that, like, do I want to do another GP? Um, I and I feel it just for the vlog. Yeah, I know. That's one reason I would do it now, like yeah. for the vlog. But then yeah. at the same time, um, I feel pretty good now at the GP. And I think like if I had a good start, you could run up front. But then if I, at the same time, if I had a real shit start, it'd be hard to come through. Um, but I don't know. We'll see. Maybe as I almost get like more away from it, because I'm still sort of quite in it. Like I'm still feel good that I could compete at a high level. So there's more yeah. pressure that if I'd done bad, where when you're almost a little bit further away, it'd be more funny to go do them things. Where at the minute I'm like on the brink, like I could actually still go and do like fight up front. I feel, but then I feel like it'd be shit if I went there and didn't do good. Um, nah, where, fuck that. Seriously, I'm telling you, I'm putting this out before the GP, <laughs> and then we're gonna. It's too this late bit. now. I won't be. Um, I won't race nah, it. Do now. it. Why can't you do it? What's uh, stopping well, you? Well, I've got. I'm going to Spain next week to do like a little camp um, with yeah. some kids. So that that's over the GP now. So I've got oh, that planned. But fuck. there's other GPs to do. Like, there's, there's one GP in England, but obviously there's other GPs all around that there's to be just as fun to go do. Yeah, you got it. You honestly got to do it just for the vlog. Like, yeah, literally. It would be cool. Yeah, because, and then all the pressure's off yourself, and you might jag it and do good, and then that makes the vlog cool. Yeah, it makes but it cool. But then either way, the vlog's going to be cool because you are just doing it for the vlog. And there's, like, this is what I was saying to Hill. Like, he's one of the only dudes in the world 
where like a team can call him up and be like, hey man, uh, our dude got hurt. Have you been riding? No, not really. Well, we'll give you a bike. Come race yeah, Supercross. Yeah, he's one of these. And he's ones. like, he's like, fuck it. I'll go race Supercross. And then he can go and put it in the main. And he, yeah. he's having fun while he's doing it. It's not a punish. Like That's not easy wild... to do either, what he does there. To just oh, jump no, the dude. And he's starting to get good. Like he's, he's racing his way into it, you know. Yeah. Yeah, from nothing. Like, he's probably not even done a day in a gym in in years. Nah, and so when the, he was saying that the first round, they didn't even have any parts that could change the suspension. So he literally rode with Benny Bloss's suspension for, like, the first two rounds. They couldn't even change it. No. It was just, like, some clickers <laughs> and shit. And he still went out there and put it in the fucking main. So it's like, you're in that exact same category. Like, you've stepped away, but you're still good enough to where you could go and really have a crack. Yeah, but I you're could also have a good ha- go. having the crack at the same time. I've worked so quite like, hard the few we- last few months, so I could generally go have a good crack. But I will, um, I want to do it. I'll I'll do it for a vlog, I think, later on in the year. It may be um, one of the, like the, um, a one in Italy or something like that, where it's cool, where you can go on like a proper road trip out there, build it up yeah. for a GP. Yeah. Yeah, because I mean, yeah, you you can, you might as well. Yeah. People would love it. Give the fans what they want to see. No, I will. That's a goal. Um, then. That's I've said it now on here. So then I've, if my British champion, the Honda team are pretty strict. With um, so they want me like they still employ me over to win the British Championship. So, but the British Championship luckily finishes quite early. So I reckon after one of them, you've got like the Italian round. So hopefully I can win that and then go race a GP for the vlog. Yeah, that'd be sick. And like, you've got this footage. You can put this footage into it. Yeah, we got it all. We could got it all. I, uh, I just need to make it happen. I want to come do a Euro trip and one of the dumb shit things that we said on the podcast is like, I'd love to go and do one 30 minute moto at Lommel. <laughs> Lommel on a practice day is completely different to Lommel on a GP. Like you'd go around Lommel on a practice day and go, this is good fun. But Lommel on a GP, it's like, I don't know what happens. It just goes like on steroids, complete different track. They like, they pull all the sand in and they rip it all up. So it's like, bottomless where on a practice day it's it's kind of baked down like it's completely different track you'd fly around on you'd be quite happily enough riding around with your friends and you can have a good fun day on a practice day yeah i don't know man we got one track at in oz called coolum and it's where they have like the last round of the nationals i've literally never had a good day there ever my entire life yeah you'll probably not have a good day around lummel but you you'll ride it and you'll be like that was fun day with the boys sort of thing is there is there any like just ridiculously good tracks like Jake Nichols track looks fucking yeah. sick like when I when I come to the UK like I'll definitely want to ride there yeah no he's got a nice place um there's a few we have good we have a lot of good tracks in England lucky with tracks um and even in our British Championship the tracks we race are pretty cool like Jeffrey come over and race that one uh beginning of last year um just good ground good old school tracks. Like, we have better tracks here than most GPs because GPs now are going to, like, car parks with sort of their building tracks in. They're going different, (laughs) trying to put up with, like, the, I don't know, infrastructure that you need to run a GP. Whereas in England, it's like, let's go race sort of thing. The fans just come in um, and you race on a track that's been there years. So you you don't need that infrastructure. They go more for the track. Yeah. Uh, When's the the vintage race that you're saying, Doc Um, Bob's race? Because he's promoting that's, that, eh? Yeah, that's August bank holiday weekend, I believe. It's like middle of August. August. But that would be good. If Villa and that, that's Fox Hills. That's a good track. 
So it's like I iconic wonder, track. I wonder how much it would cost me to ship the 96 over. Um, I don't know. I wouldn't even know, to be honest. Not not as much as you think, I don't think. Fuck, that could just, be pretty sick. Just buy a 96. Someone will lend you a 96. If you put it out there on here, like you're coming over. There's so many people who've got them bikes here now. Like really? It's, um, yeah, there's so many vintage bikes. Like That race... They sold. There was two hundred and forty people that enter. You could probably enter because um, with Wob and the 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 sorry, fuck, my mind's gone blank. Like the promotion it'll bring, um, but mm. there's so many races. But he, they had three thousand people try and enter that race in like the first two hours of the the regulations coming out, and only two hundred and forty riders. It sold it. It could have sold out like ten times over. Wow! It's yeah, it's mad, and that's most of them are from the UK. So there's a lot of people with them bikes in the UK that will that um, yeah. Oh, didn't miss out on the yeah right yeah yeah because that that could be pretty sick to do because I definitely want to do a I want to do a Euro trip and Hawkstone then just Park like, that's a good one. Yeah, yeah. I remember being a kid, man. One of my favorite riders as a kid was Gareth Swanepoel when he was winning the British. The British remember those years? Yeah, he in was like my 06? teammate. Six. What what year was that? Like oh six oh seven. Oh, Oh six, oh seven, yeah, because he was there, and then I went to factory KTM. I think he was oh five, oh six, oh seven. Yeah. He was there for a fair while. Oh eight, even as well, maybe. Um, Back, he he looked so good on that bike in he those had races. Gear. Yeah, he had his yeah. Thor gear, and um, yes, yeah, one was good. He was quite funny as a teammate. It was like the the Maxis back then, right? Yeah, Maxis British Championship, but it was big then. The British Championship was yeah. more um, not more well known, but more like. More GP guys run it, like guys like Swanepoel. You had more GP yeah. teams, like the the British teams had riders here, and then we'd race GPs. Where now, the British teams sort of based in Britain, they don't race yeah. GPs. Where there was like ten British teams that also raced World Championships. Then, yeah, I remember. I'm pretty sure I was on the piss one night with him, giving him shit about. Like, I remember looking at his style on that Cowie and in that Thor gear and like, fuck, he just looks so good on a bike. And then I remember him in Star Yamaha in the States and being like, fuck, he looks shit. <laughs> like, what, like, uh, what happened to his style? Like, where did it go? I used yeah, to want to be like you. he did have good style on that, um, that Molson, Molson yeah. bike. But he was my, um, I went to Molson team and then I started beating Swanee. That was, it used to be quite funny. We used to joke because the team, Tom Church, who's, um, who's, his his dad was the owner of the team his family <laughs> and the years i was there his sister was running the team and tom was also riding in the team and tom's really good as well um but then i remember i started beating swanny and i was real young um and it used to fuck with swanny's head yeah <laughs> dude he's a good guy eh? yeah he's 20's good uh, all right mate well i better let you go we can fucking sit here yeah, all night. i'm sure you got shit to do on your saturday yeah no i'll go um spend it i'm off to spain tomorrow so i'll spend a little bit of time with a boy yeah yeah no sounds good mate well um yeah hopefully i'll be over there at some point to uh to come and hang and fucking yeah do a race or two or something hang out be good to see you. I, I i honestly was thinking about before i i could not tell you the last time i saw you in person no probably i don't think i've even bumped into you since america no no, no so. it wouldn't have been fucking well, mental but no get over come do one of those races it'd be good to see you and um yep. yeah thanks for um thanks for having me on no nah, i no, appreciate it we've been wanting to do it for ages and appreciate you giving us the time no problem mate all right em we'll see you in about see you later all right see you mate